Blog Talk Radio. 
For more than 30 years, the Piscataway Indian Nation singers and dancers have been touring the world in an attempt to break stereotypes and educate others about the history of their people. Their leader and narrator, Mark Tyak, is the son of a 28th generation Piscataway chieftain. When his father passes, it will be his turn to lead his tribe. During a ceremonial war dance, James Edwards displays the American Indian virtue of mercy by not striking his target. Steve Conway demonstrated what is called a men's grass dance. These were often used by American Indians to flatten grassy plains before making camp. Here Eagle Boy Co. leads sophomore elementary education and engineering major Melissa Zichkowski in a rabbit dance, traditionally done by couples. Conley took the stage yet again to demonstrate a ring dance, an age-old tradition of forming shapes with rings, things like eagles, turtles, and the world. Co. performed an eagle dance, while Tayek explained the origin of the term Indian as it is used to describe Native Americans. The term came from Columbus, who, after being taken in by natives, affectionately dubbed them Indios, Spanish for In God. We'd like to welcome you to Africa on the Moon as a special program as we continue to support and honor Africa Liberation Month under the direction of the All African Peoples. Revolutionary Party, P.C. We are celebrating 64 years of Africa Liberation Day and 74 years of Palestine and Knockback Day. This is one of the many programs that are being co-sponsored by the AAPIPGC, the National Council on the Move Blog Talk Radio. At this particular time, I would turn over the mic to my co-host today, Brother Anthony Williams, organizing member of the AAPRPGC. And the last clipping you have just heard was the clipping in terms of memory and paying respect to indigenous people as they talk about the contribution of Brother Billy Chief Kayak, who made a transition a year or so ago. But that was to make the statement that we always honor the indigenous people land in which this land belonged to. So at this point in time, we bring in Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, welcome to Africa Liberation Day, Palestine Day. Thank you for having me. Revolutionary greetings, Africans and friends of Africa. On behalf of the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC, and the National Council of Arab Americans, I would like to welcome you to our 46th commemoration of African Liberation Day, Palestine Nakba Day. We would like to thank Africa on the Move for making its platform available for our program tonight. Our overall theme for this year's African Liberation Day, Palestine Nakba Day, is unleashing an offensive of 64 years of African Liberation Day, intensifying the revolutionary struggle against capitalism and imperialism, Zionism and neocolonialism, forward to Pan-Africanism, one unified socialist Africa. The topics for tonight's program are Pan-Africanism, yes, U.S. AFRICOM and NATO, no. U.S. out of Africa, 
Guantanamo, Cuba, Shannon Airport, Ireland, and political prisoners movement and smash FBI, CIA. We will have representatives from several progressive and revolutionary organizations giving their perspectives on these topics today. And I would like to introduce uh, Comrade Lewis Wolf of Covert Action Magazine at this time to give uh, their perspective on these issues. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello? Okay. Uh, yes, I salute both you and, and Lee very much for this great program and for doing it now all these years. Uh, I represent Covert Action Magazine, which I co-founded in 1978, together with former CIA uh, and whistleblower. He's now deceased. His name was Philip Agee. Um, and uh, we concentrate on the crimes of the CIA and the U.S. intelligence apparatus around the world and here at home. In light of the, the mass shooting just uh, hours ago in Texas at a, at a, a grade school, an elementary school, killing, as I hear on the news, four, 14 young people and, and their teacher. Uh, and this is, comes only a week after the shooting, the ma other mass shooting in Buffalo, New York. And I would suggest to, to everyone that this is very much um, consistent with the fact that we live in a warfare state, wars without end. This is what the United States does around the world. Um, and not, and very few of these wars are declared wars. In fact, only a handful since uh, since uh, World War I. Um, most of them are undeclared wars. That is, wars not declared by the United States Congress. Now, I think these mass shootings that I've just mentioned grow out of the fact that we are so militarized in this country that uh, we hardly know who, is our, who, who our friends are anymore even our neighbors. Uh, in this case, uh, today, it was an 18-year-old kid walked into a school and, and killed 14 children. They're, they're almost babies and, and their teacher. He, and he had also killed his grandmother uh, before doing that. Um, of course, I, I don't blame this one on the CIA. They, they got a lot to answer for without this one. But uh, I simply say that a lot of the problems we are facing are because we have um, one party, one political party, with two names. They're called the Democrats and the Republicans. Um, we don't really have a political system which we know by the title of, of democracy. The democracy is long past in our history, the real democracy. And so uh, the fact is today that the Democrats, who are supposed to be better than the Republicans, they all vote for the war in Ukraine. They don't question one dollar that goes to the Pentagon with, with uh, uh, billions of dollars to the Pentagon. And every time they issue a, uh, uh, Congress issues a, or approves a new Pentagon budget, it's even more than the Pentagon requested. So what does that tell us? Uh, I, I would like to also say that, you know, 
that the Central Intelligence Agency claims that it, it gathers intelligence. Yes, it does that. Oh, my God, does it ever do that. But the main focus of the CIA is its covert operations or the directorate of operations uh, around the world. And um, increasingly, uh, their recruitment here on our ca college campuses, it all goes on here in the United States. And the other thing that we have recently, we in the magazine, Covert Action Magazine, which you can find on, your, on a website, on our website, covertactionmagazine.com, covertactionmagazine.com, all one word, is that um, the CIA, also the Pentagon, works very closely with Hollywood. We listed in two recent articles all the many films uh, and, and TV series um, which the CIA helped to 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 write, even the tech, even the, uh, the, uh, the 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 script of those programs. What does this tell us? That we are manipulated by the propaganda that the CIA helps to create, and also the Pentagon. But um, my my real message here today is that democracy is hard to uh, keep alive if if the if the rulers of this country, the ruling class, whether they're in Wall Street or whether they're in the White House, is that it's, it's about money in their pockets. The arms dealers that are happy as, as clams about this war in Ukraine because they're making huge, huge profits off the war. And I would suggest that the war in Ukraine is nothing less than a war that will be continued by this country and by allies of this country, but mainly the United States, the war will continue until the last Ukrainian is dead. And that's, that's what's happening in Ukraine. Uh, the United States is in support of a group of, of real Nazis. I'm talking about Nazis that wear swastikas, that, um, that salute. Uh, they do uh, Heil Hitler salutes. In fact, some of them take off their shirts to show their, their swastikas, uh, tattoos on their back and on their arms. These, these uh, Nazis, uh, and I call them Nazis because they're proud to say that's what they are, um, uh, are very close to the ruler uh, in, in, in uh, Ukraine. His name is Zelensky, Volodymyr Zelensky. And um, there are photographs of him shaking their hands, hugging them, embracing them, and they are in charge of his military there, which is being trained by the CIA. The Azov Battalion is in training right here in the United States in, in, in somewhere in the south. We believe it's either in, at Fort Benning or Fort Bragg in, in Georgia. And um, this, what does this tell us? That the United States government has lined itself up with real Nazis, to wage war, another war, um, in this case in Ukraine. And the objective of this war in Ukraine is, is the overthrow of Vladimir Putin and of, of the Russian Federation. That is the real objective, and it's been that objective for many, many years. I think I've said enough here. Uh, thank you very much, Lee and Anthony, and I support this program so much. Thank you all. Bye. Thank you very much, uh, Lewis, for your presentation.
And um, at this time, uh, let's see, I will read um, a, a solidarity statement from uh, Comrade Jafar Jafari of the National Council of Arab Americans, who could not uh, be here uh, tonight. However, he did uh, send a statement to us, and I will read that at the present time. Dear brothers, sisters, and comrades, our joint dedication to freeing our peoples from imperialism, colonialism, and Zionism is an ongoing struggle against the common enemy. Our aggregate struggle witnessed many accomplishments and victories, and some severe setbacks highlighted by assassinating our leaders in Africa, Latin America, and the Middle East. Yet the struggle continues due to renewed dedication of new generations of determined people to carry the torch of freedom to the end. It is crucially important to carry out the armed struggle to realize the broader objectives of defeating colonialism and Zionism, but more importantly is to be dedicated to a just cause worthy of sacrifices. Our revered Thomas Sankara of Burkina Faso warned African leaders to challenge the Western debt, choking the continent's stability and independence. In a speech to the African Unity Meeting in Addis Ababa in 1986, he called for cancellation of our foreign debt and say our debt will not be paid. Ignoring his revolutionary vision, African countries consequently surrendered their autonomy to, to the European colonialists, increasing their debt size and denying the new generation's decent living standards. Sankara was universally acknowledged to be incorruptible a trait found in Africa's giants, Nkrumah, Sekretary, Gamal Abdel Nasser, and many others. They, in the aggregate, were not known for empty rhetoric and cliches. Rather, they were committed to acting and directly confronting Western imperialism, driven by a resolute commitment to justice. Our generation owes a tremendous debt to those leaders before us determined to build alternative future free from colonial oppression. Since Sankara's murder in October 1987, social advances and progressive changes he initiated were revolt. And by, by 2014, Burkina Faso was considered one of the poorest countries in the world. Sankara's legacy endured all these years, however. On this occasion of African Liberation Day and Palestine Solidarity Day, we salute our heroes and comrades who fought against colonialism and Zionism. 
both ills challenging our collective aspiration to freedom and independent development. In Palestine, a faulty leadership vision of accommodation with the enemy has led to more lands being expropriated, more people jailed by the Zionists, and a loss of hope, only temporarily. The enemy's dedication to its goal of cleansing the land of its righteous owners has produced a negative effect, leading to more popular engagement and the will to fight, as evidenced in the daily confrontations encompassing wider sectors of society. This is certainly a bright development and a fundamental addition to the global struggle against oppression, colonialism, and Zionism. The legacy of our murdered leaders continues to guide the current path of struggle until our graduate goals of freedom and independence are achieved. Uh, Our next presenter will be Brother Amia Azikwe from Pan-African News. Welcome to the 64th year of African Liberation Day, 74 years of Palestine Day. Brother Azikwe, the mic is yours. Thank you so much, uh, Comrade Lee and Comrade Anthony, and uh, thanks uh, to the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC, and the All-African Revolutionary Women's Union, GC, for this invitation. I'm going to speak uh, today on the theme of Pan-Africanism, yes, U.S. AFRICOM and NATO, no. We are honored to participate in this annual commemoration of African Liberation Day some 59 years after the founding meeting of the Organization of African Unity that was held on May 25, uh, 1963, in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Much has transpired uh, since 1963, when more than 30 independent African states held this gathering and pledged to work towards the total liberation of the continent and greater unity among governments throughout the region. Today, the African Union, uh, which was uh, founded in 2002 as an outgrowth of the OAU in CERT, Libya, is facing one of the most profound challenges of the post-colonial period. The struggle for the unification of the African Union member states cannot occur absent of the removal of foreign military forces now occupying several geopolitical regions on the continent. The United States Africa Command, AFRICOM, the French Armed Forces, the European Union Forces, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, among others, are claiming that they are in the numerous African Union states under the guise of providing military training and assisting and strengthening the overall security apparatuses of these territories. However, since the launching of AFRICOM in February of 2008, the instability within numerous African states has worsened. Most recently, 
the administration of President Joe Biden has ordered the redeployment of U.S. troops into the Horn of Africa state of Somalia. A conference involving several U.S. governmental agencies was held prior to the redeployment in Somalia. This conference was held in Djibouti, uh, where thousands of Pentagon and French troops are based at Camp Le Monet. Somalia has been a focal point of imperialist intrigue for many decades. The instability in Somalia is being compounded by the burgeoning humanitarian crisis in the country due to the drought, which is gripping the country the worst in six decades. Although these environmental problems are escalating as a result of climate change, the Pentagon, we must acknowledge, is the largest emitter of greenhouse gases in the world today. Therefore, to actively address the phenomenon of environmental degradation, African people must demand the dismantling of the Pentagon, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, NATO, and its allied military forces across the world. The security issues in Somalia are a byproduct of the persistent involvement by the U.S. in the internal affairs of this oil-rich country. In conclusion, I would like to address the role of Africa and the imperialist war in Ukraine. There is much focus on the Russian special military operations in Ukraine, which are designed to stave off the expansion of NATO in Eastern Europe. With the collapse of the Soviet Union, the Comecon state, and the Socialist uh, Federation of Yugoslavia during the late 1980s and early 1990s, this emboldened uh, the NATO alliance that was formed by Washington in 1949. There does not appear to be any enthusiasm within the AU member states related to their participation in the U.S. engineered war in Ukraine. Many African states abstained from voting on the two resolutions passed by the United Nations General Assembly condemning the Russian Federation. The state of Eritrea and the Horn of Africa was the only government on the continent that voted categorically against the resolutions. Many leaders and mass organizations have explained that they cannot support the imperialist war in Ukraine, and that there must be a diplomatic initiative to end the fighting. The Biden administration is continuing the same legacy of imperialist militarism that has plagued the world for more than a century. Among the youth and anti-imperialist working class elements, there is open solidarity with the Russian Federation based upon the aggressive posture of the Ukrainian military, which is being propped up by the Biden administration. Within the United States, progressive, liberal, moderate, and conservative political officials in Congress have all lined up behind the pro-NATO operations in Ukraine. Fifty-five billion U.S. dollars in direct assistance to the war has been announced. These are resources taken directly from the tax revenues paid by the working class and poor people in the U.S. These large-scale expenditures to continue the Ukraine war are desperately needed in the Horn of Africa to address the food deficit and potential famine, as well as providing relief to the masses of people in the United States who are suffering from the coronavirus pandemic, its aftermath, 
and the inflationary spiral not seen in more than four decades. These domestic and foreign policy questions require bold, independent, and revolutionary action on the part of African people, the other oppressed nations in the U.S., and the working class as a whole. The organization of the workers and the oppressed in the United States must be carried out in conjunction with the revolutionary and national democratic forces in operation around the globe. Africa is central to the struggle against imperialism since its origins stem from the advent of the Atlantic slave trade, colonialism, and neocolonialism. In conclusion, we want to join with other genuinely progressive and revolutionary forces throughout the world to proclaim that pan-Africanism and proletarian internationalism is the only solution to the monumental social and economic problems engendered by capitalism and imperialism. Long live the African Revolution, uh, smash NATO and its allies. There is victory for us, and long live the revolutionary traditions of Osajifu, Dr. Kwame Nkrumah, uh, President Ahmed, Secretary Ray, and the revolutionary organizer and ancestor, uh, Kwame Ture. Thank you so much uh, for this opportunity. Thank you, Brother Zikwe. Now we'll go to Brother Fio Waleto for the organization of the Defenders, Freedom, Justice, Equality. Welcome, Fio. Hello, Brother Flea. How are you doing today? Um, I appreciate very much the invitation to come on the program tonight on the the important occasion of African Liberation Day and thank the All-African People's Revolutionary Party for the invitation. Um, I'm particularly honored to be on uh, with such uh, outstanding figures as Abiyomi Azikawe, then, uh, who I haven't seen in quite a while, but um, have been following your work all, all through the years, brother. And um, it's, as always, uh, excellent and informative and, and very important to get out. Um, what I wanted to address uh, today was uh, what the young folks call intersectionality. We just used to call it uh, cross-fertilization or uh, the connection of all things. But uh, intersectionality is the word they like to use. And when we're talking about uh, the liberation of Africa, we're talking about NATO, we're talking about the war in Ukraine. Um, uh, it's interesting and important to see how they're all connected. Uh, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization was formed in uh, 1948. Um, and included some of the major uh, European countries that had colonized Africa, from uh, the United Kingdom to Portugal to Belgium um, to Italy. Um, and they formed the uh, NATO as a, uh, a military alliance against the Soviet Union, uh, which they had been allied with uh, during World War II. But Soviet Union being a, a socialist country, uh, the capitalist countries, of course, fundamentally opposed to them. Um, and their, the history um, has not been one of war against the Soviet Union or subsequently against Africa, uh, I'm sorry, against Russia, um, but it's been um, playing major roles in the U.S.-led war in Afghanistan in the uh, horrendous and sustained bombing of the former socialist Yugoslavia and taking the lead role in the destruction of what was at the time 
the wealthiest country in all of Africa, the highest per capita uh, living, uh, uh, per capita income, uh, the highest standard of living, uh, free education, free health care. And that was, of course, a country of Libya, uh, led by Colonel Muammar Gaddafi. Um, and the NATO uh, forces took advantage of the internal struggle within the country to impose a no-fly zone and bomb it into oblivion, <laughs> leading to the overthrow of the government <clears throat> and the uh, actual lynching of Colonel Gaddafi. This was uh, the first uh, open attack uh, on an African country, and it was uh, led, of course, as always, uh, as NATO efforts are, by the United States um, under uh, President Barack Obama. And it's very doubtful that any white president could have gotten away with such a blatant attack on an African country. Um, NATO began with uh, a, a small number of Western European countries, as well as the United States and, uh, and Canada. Um, and at the fall of the Soviet Union, uh, had promised uh, the leader of the Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev, that if he agreed to the reunification of East and West Germany uh, as a capitalist country allied with the West, that uh, NATO would not expand one inch further to the east towards Russia. Um, since that promise was made, uh, all countries that have joined uh, NATO, and it's been 14 uh, up to the present time, uh, have been to the east, uh, up to the very borders of Russia. Um, and this uh, virtual encirclement of the western flank of Ukraine has been the major factor in the, uh, leading uh, Russia to the conclusion that it was facing an existential threat, um, uh, and uh, particularly because uh, Ukraine was asking to join NATO. Ukraine with its 1,200-mile border uh, with Russia, land border with Russia. Um, and uh, uh, Ukraine had taken that position as a result of the 2014 coup, uh, a right-wing coup, which uh, drove out the uh, Rush, the president of, um, of, uh, of Ukraine who had uh, wanted closer ties with Russia and brought in a pro-European uh, Union president who also uh, wanted the country to join NATO. So the prospect of this large former ally joining NATO and uh, nearly completing a complete ring of hostile forces around Russia um, was really the, the basis for the present war. So whatever people think of, of, uh, of that, uh, that intervention in Ukraine by Russia, it was anything but unprovoked. Um, the, the, the connections of between these uh, various forces and various processes um, has to be seen in a global way. Um, NATO today is basically an expanded U.S. military. It's a, a, a means by which the United States can conduct wars uh, with other countries' foot soldiers. Um, and uh, it is continuing to expand with the imminent uh, admission of Finland uh, and Sweden uh, Georgia, which also shares a land border with Russia, wants to join, uh, as well as Ukraine. Um, these are the same forces that are uh, cooperating with the United States 
um, in what amounts to the recolonization of Africa. Uh, previous, um, uh, I only mentioned the, uh, the sending of U.S. troops to Somalia. Um, uh, the uh, government, the U.S. government, announced that these troops would come from the region of the Horn of Africa and not new troops from the United States. They did not mention that late last year, 800 members of the Virginia National Guard and 200 members of the Kentucky National Guard were sent to the Horn of Africa. So it's quite likely that these are the troops that are being either sent to Somalia or will replace other troops in the region that are being sent there. Um, and uh, just as uh, we've learned from the experience of French troops intervening in Mali, supposedly to put down uh, extremist uh, insurgency and then wind up being expelled from the country because uh, as, as Malians realized that the, the real purpose of the French uh, presence there was to recolonize the country, we can expect the same thing to happen in Somalia. So there is no firewall between what the U.S. military is doing uh, with NATO, whether it's in Africa, whether it's Eastern Europe, uh, whether it's in Afghanistan, uh, or now they are attempting to recruit uh, countries in uh, Latin America. Um, it lays a basis of, for unity among the various liberation forces and progressive organizations in all of Asia, Africa, Latin America, and Europe. Um, and uh, it's, it's up to those of us who have taken on the task of, uh, of revolutionary education and activism to try to educate the general public to understand that um, these developments are in no way in their interests, um, that it's insane that uh, the U.S. government will be sending $40 billion in aid to Ukraine at a time when families across the country are, are in a panic over wondering how they're going to feed their babies because of a shortage of baby formula, a simple thing like baby formula. Um, so uh, in conclusion, I just want to thank again uh, the organizers for today's program, Brother Lee and the All-African People's Revolutionary Party. Uh, it's an honor to participate um, and uh, I wish you uh, every success in all your endeavors in the future and look forward to being on the barricades with you. Thank you. Now we're Brother Phil Walito from the Defenders, Freedom, Justice, and Equality. We'll now make our transition to our brother, Jihad Adu Monique. He's the president of the International Jericho Movement. Brother Jihad. Yes, uh, <clears throat> thank you, Brother Lee and Brother Anton. Um, assalamu alaikum and peace to everyone. Again, my name is Jihad Abdul Mumit. I am the chairperson of the National Jericho Movement. And like my... Um, Previous uh, colleagues have presented in, in so much wealthy information, important information. Uh, I am also honored to be on this platform, you know, and to salute um, African Liberation Day and its celebration. I want to talk briefly about the, the role of our freedom fighters and, and the need to give them support because, uh, sisters and brothers, what it really boils down to, in spite of all the problems around the world in Africa and other U.S. colonies, from Puerto Rico and Guam, uh, what's happening in Ukraine and uh, the development of NATO, um, that uh, it all speaks to what do we do about it. 
how well can we organize ourselves and within the shores of the United States to make a difference. We, we're analyzing some very serious things, and they have, they're historical, they're systemic. Um, much of the American people don't know what to do. They've been beguiled by the narrative of this country. Uh, this is it's the result of a colonized mind. So what do we do? So we want to start with a little bit that Jericho represents the freedom fighters as part of different movements throughout the 60s and 70s and all the way up into the present day. And when we say support, we mean that uh, we uplift their legacy and their work. We uplift their names. We provide uh, uh, financial assistance, medical uh, third-party intervention, uh, commissary. Uh, we support uh, legal campaigns to free them if we're not spearheading it ourselves. We are giving uh, direct support because some of the freedom fighters, uh, political prisoners, if you will, have their own support committees. And so no no freedom fighter left behind because the activists, that's to use that word now, I guess it's appropriate, uh, that's on the street now, demonstrating, protesting, working to build our own communities, to build that awareness, uh, to develop some sense of self-determination in our own communities. If they're ever incarcerated, uh, confined or captured in turn as a result of of their activism, as a result of their revolutionary work in the community, then are we leaving them behind? Because the fact that we have members that still in, that were in, in the Black Panther Party, the Black Liberation Army, the American Indian Movement, the anti-imperialist movement, our water protectors, our environmental rights protectors, uh, Black Lives Matter protesters and demonstrators, uh, when they get arrested, when they get sentenced into time, it can never, ever be a thing where we don't acknowledge them and render them support and campaign for their freedom. Not to do so, my sisters and brothers that are listening, is other and complete hypocrisy. That means that your enemy knows very well that when they arrest us and when they incarcerate us, if we've set up a frame or if we actually committed an action, or if we actually committed an action, your enemy, I, our enemy, my enemy, they know full well that those that have been captured will get no support at all from the movements that exist in the street. And this cannot be allowed. This cannot allow to be happening because the things that we're talking about now um, that's happening in the world, and, and indeed they're systemic and historical, they've been happening, they just didn't happen overnight. But the intensification of it all and coming at us all, the first brother that spoke bringing our attention to the shooting in Texas and, and a culture of white supremacy and wanton violence that's always existed, coming to a ferocious head now in Buffalo. All of these egregious things that's happening, what does it mean for us and how do you organize? And when sisters and brothers put themselves out there to organize and, and begin to make progress and inroads into reaching the conscious and psyche, and, and, and psyche of our people to be able to change and, and, and revolutionize minds. If they get arrested or incarcerated for whatever, we cannot leave them there. We have to fight for their freedom. So this is one of the this is the role of the Jericho movement. Um, and so what a person would say, okay, okay. So we have people that was in the Panther Party that's been in prison for 50, 60 years now. Rochelle McGee is still in prison. Ed Conway is still in prison. Sunyata Akoli just was granted uh, release after 50 years in prison. Uh, he's still in prison, though, from the, the New Jersey Supreme Court. Uh, um, uh, we have Imam Jamil Alameen. Some of these prisons we know very well. 
Uh, we have international prisoners, uh, Dr. Afia Siddiqui. They're, uh, uh, we cannot have a handful of people at a demonstration calling for their release. So we're asking everybody, there's certain things that uh, we can do uh, uh, that that go that will fit neatly without our own organizational mission statements, within our own 24-7 activities and involvement in, in trying to build awareness and educate our people and, and, and strive for some sense of self-determination in our communities across the United States. There's certain things that every last single one of us can do, you know, uh, to, that, to fight for the freedom of these freedom fighters. Number one, if you don't know who any of them are, if you don't know who any any, any of them are, then I will have to respectfully say shame on you. If you can mention freedom fighters in Africa and you can't mention them in the United States, shame on you. Shame on you. Now you have a, a $800 cell phone. You don't have to go too far to Google the name of black freedom fighters, brown freedom fighters, indigenous freedom fighters in the United States. It's right there while we're looking at TikTok and randomly strolling through Facebook and things of this nature. There is no excuse not to know who freedom fighters are in the Black Panther Party, Black Liberation Army, who picked up weapons in many cases and fought for our freedom. The same things that we're talking about today, colonialization, the expansion of imperialism through NATO, as we see played out, uh, the, the, uh, the economic exploitation and our oppression in our community, the violent racist attacks on our people either through the police mechanisms or through just the, all the all the many Zimmermans that exist in the world today, you know, including the guy's name who I don't even want to recall and remember in Buffalo and now in the school down down in Texas. All right, there are things going back. There are certain things we can do. You should write a political prisoner. If you don't know who they are, go to the Jericho website, the JerichoMovement.com, the JerichoMovement.com. You know, uh, you can you can send donations and commissary money. You can you send donations to illegal campaigns because freedom isn't free. You know, the lawyers have to get – regardless of what protest we can mount on the street, there has, to be, there has to be a lawyer to walk through that pinhole to serve papers, to, to approach the courts. I mean, we're not blowing down prison walls or anything like that. So it has to be a lawyer. It has to be a mechanism, and that mechanism costs money. So the political awareness, you know, we build support on the communities in the street across the United States. But we have to have somebody to walk in the paperwork back and forth and be able to litigate on behalf of the people. We need many more uh, William Comforts, put it definitely. We need many, many more Lynn Stewart. You know, we, meet, we need many more Sophia Elizas, all right? So um, this is what we need. Uh, you need to join a formation or organization that does this type of work. And the least thing that we can do, sisters and brothers, uh, to, to campaign for the freedom of our freedom fighters, past and present, is at least on your website, recognize and adopt one and put their name and, and their address and how you can support them on your Facebook page, on your website. There should be some link there. There's websites are full of links that we should do because this whole fight against colonialism, you know, it can't be rhetoric, sisters and brothers. It can't be something that we just talk about and think that that's sufficient. We have, we're talking about or United States is 330-some-odd million people. It's not a small African com- country with two or three ethnic groups. This is not what's happening here. This is going to take a lot of attention and effort to organize people around the whole cause of self-determination, to decolonize our colonized mind, to educate people so that, as the brother said amply, you know, we really only have one party in this country, even though it goes by two names. You know, well, what's going to be our party? How are we going to develop this? And I know we're all doing this in so many different ways, 
But whatever we're doing, I salute that, number one. And we've got to make sure that those people that's actually fought and stood up or even been set up and framed, that we can't let them rot in prison. No liberation movement does that, and, and we cannot be guilty of that. So um, I salute the African Liberation Day. I'm glad I, uh, Brother Lee and Antoine was able to give me an opportunity to present the important issue of supporting our freedom fighters in this country in this struggle moving forward. There will be continued incarcerations. The more we intensify, then the pressure will come back on us. We have to be ready for this. We have to be organized for this. Um, and, you know, and, and so that's the calling system, bro. So whatever you do, the least that you can do is to acknowledge one of the freedom fighters, write them, make contact with them, send them some commissary money, 25 I mean, you know, a bag of coffee or whatever to make their existence in these gulags a, a little bit more tolerable if you don't, in fact, actually join a formation that's working for their release. So, Brother Lee, Anton, I, I appreciate each and every one of you. Phil, I listen to your voice, brother. There's so much information you give. We definitely have to have that coffee. I keep saying it every time I hear you, hear you even though I can't see you now. But um, So I salute what you're doing, Brother Lee. Call me anytime. I'm here in Richmond, Virginia, but National Jericho is across the country from Portland, Oregon, to, uh, to uh, Atlanta, Georgia, to Boston, to Rhode Island, to New York, New Jersey. So we have office affiliates all over. So once again, I salute everyone. Uh, all power to the people, and assalamu alaikum. I would like to thank you, my brother. Before you leave, one quick question. Can you inform our audience on how to get in touch with the National Jericho Movement? Yes, indeed. Um, the easiest way to get in contact with the National Jericho Movement is two things. You can go to the website, thejerichomovement.com, one, but thejerichomovement.com has all the information there, you know, or, or you can um, – uh, you can email the National Jericho Movement uh, at gmail.com. Jericho Movement, National Jericho at gmail.com. National Jericho at gmail.com or go to the website, the Jericho Movement. You, if, just put in, in your Google search the Jericho Movement political prisons and all of that information will populate up in there and any support that you can render. Like I said, even in your own circles, not changing your trajectory or what you're doing or anything like that but just adding just that extra layer if, in fact, you haven't already done that and support, uh, adopt the prisoner and just, you know, focus on that person. It would mean a whole lot. We cannot let the enemy know that we're, we're abandoning our soldiers that, that's been captured um, past and present. And, Brother G, I know you have to leave, but one more question for our listening audience. Again, define mm-hmm. for our listening audience what is a political prisoner? Because society has a sense of making our political prisoners look like criminals. What is the difference between a criminal and a political prisoner? Right. So that's a very good question, Brother Lee. So yes, indeed. So political prisoners, political prisoners anyone that, that's been incarcerated, to use the word incarcerated, captured because of their political beliefs and stance against capitalism or an oppressive system or regime. Uh, that is a political prison because of their activism, regardless if they've been set up by some type of counterintelligence maneuver or campaign, a COINTELPRO program or anything like that, you know, or or um, because of an action that they actually committed, regardless if it's disrupting a water line or taking an action on the police. Now, there is a difference between political prisoners and prisoners of war, but we but, – but because of that narrative, and the reason you ask that question, because they criminalize our movement so much, 
and because of the fading, eroding, and challenging understanding that uh, our sisters and brothers have, just being able to wrap your, your brain around the fact that there are political prisoners. And so the whole thing of reality of prisoners of war, uh, well, we kind of generalize prisoners of war and political prisoners and just put it under the whole rubric of political prisoners to kind of like uh, make it easier for people in the United States to understand that we have fighters that actually committed actions and revolutionary actions against the state or just been trained and just been doing community work and the charges are completely and totally utterly bogus. So that's a political prison, one who consciously taken a stand against the state, against racism, against injustice, against economic exploitation, against political oppression. That is a political prison. They're in jail because of their politics, what they believe in. And the United States is very successfully uh, cultivated uh, a narrative to say that any and all of us are criminals. They may salute uh, political prisoners and talk about it all in all these other countries. The United States comes out pristine, clean, and smelling like a rose because there's nothing wrong with the United States. God bless America. There are no political prisoners in the United States. Everybody that's went through the United States, uh, that's in prison in the United States, has went through the justice system and been duly convicted, you know, under this judicial system which we know is a racist, biased, prejudicial system, and is a mechanism of a state and a tool of a repression. So, but if we don't understand that, then, you know, I guess the system is going to have to just do a little more digging, which I hope you challenge yourself um, to do a little more digging. Look at any one of these cases that's on the website. You can say, hmm, I can see the politics. If you can get that far just to look at any one of these brothers' cases or sisters' cases, you know, and you can say to yourself with a, any objective reading, I see the politics here. I see why they say they're political prisoners. And, and then when you realize that the government is trying to contain that type of thinking, that type of action, you can see why the government commonly says um, common criminal. You violate the law of the United States. Well, the law is racist and the law is oppressive. A political prisoner at one time was somebody that, that sat at a, at a counter, so go figure that. You know, was, and that was violating the law. Yeah, they are criminals. They're, they are trying to, to, to desegregate water fountains so that we don't have to go take a crap in the, in, the, in the outhouse. So slavery at one time was legal, which is actually de facto still is. Those are for it against slavery. As a matter of fact, then I'll shut up. Um, anybody that, that's questioning this, but to tell you to question the litmus test for yourself, open up a history book and, it, and turn to a picture of Nat Turner or Harriet Tubman. Do you see a hero or do you see a criminal? And however you define that person, that Nat Turner, then that's, I guess, how you look at uh, political prisoners today. And you need a serious refresher course. You need to pinch yourself and wake the hell up uh, uh, into what's going on in the world. I think everybody listening to this blog talk show already knows that. So I wish this message was all of our messages which was, was some way to get it out more to the general public because I know – um, we a lot of times we're preaching to the choir. We may fill in some tidbit information that we didn't know, as all my presenters did before me, and I was taking serious notes. But it's not like we're, the listeners don't really know. We got it kind of like. But there's the, the majority of people, you know, um, are not paying attention to it. Like al Malik Al-Shabazz says, you know, pulling your teeth out. With, there's all kinds of forms of genocide, and with that Novocaine and that materialism, you chasing the carrot of capitalism, trying to aspire to be a part of the middle class, and you've been bam- bamboozled, you've been tricked, you've been you've been hoodwinked, as Malcolm says, and we are still being bamboozled, tricked, and hoodwinked. So we got a lot of work to do. And we thank you for your time for making your contribution to this year. 
African Liberation Palestine Day. Thank you, Brother Jihad. At your service. Right now, At your service, Brother Right now, we still have Brother Zigwe with us, and going back to my co-host, Brother Anthony, organizer for the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Brother Anthony, we're talking about Africa, Africon. Brother Zigwe, I'll give the mic to you, and you may have some questions and some comments you'd like to raise with our brother while we still have him. Brother Anthony? Yes, yes but um, that's yours. Yeah, okay. Yes. Uh, Af- uh, is there a connection between AFRICOM and also the uh, the heavy recruitment of youth into the military by targeting, uh, you know, commercials, especially on sports programming and also the influence that Hollywood has on the perception of the military. Could you talk about that a little bit? Are you speaking to me? I heard my name mentioned. Is that question directed to me? Yes, it is, yes. Oh, thanks a lot. Yeah, um, most definitely. Uh, the Secretary of Defense right now is a person of African descent, and uh, it's difficult to say that. Lloyd Austin, uh, he's, you know, the highest-ranking political official of the Defense Department, the Pentagon. These people are our mortal enemies in regard to the uh, African world. So, yes, having him there is an excellent example of promoting an imperialist, militarist approach uh, to just the existence of African people in the West, and they've attempted to spread uh, this same mentality across the continent, uh, the U.S. Africa Command, uh, which has bases uh, in Djibouti that has uh, temporary bases and drone stations in various African countries, are not there uh, to assist with the security, enhancing uh, the stability of these states. As I mentioned earlier, what we've seen is a worsening of the stability of these countries. And it's very interesting that even some of the military leaders who have staged coups over the last two years, particularly in West Africa, uh, we could talk about Jenny Conakry, uh, Chad, Mali, and Burkina Faso, uh, particularly uh, Jenny, Burkina Faso, and Jenny, uh, and, um, and uh, Mali, countries that have a revolutionary history. You know, the immediate independence movements that fought you know, to throw off French uh, colonialism, were revolutionaries uh, who, who were involved in that. The PDG, uh, we could talk about um, the work of uh, Captain Thomas Sankara in the 1980s. And these, these leaders, military leaders who have overthrown civilian governments, even though they were neo-colonial puppet governments, are turning against France. <clears throat> They're turning against the United States. And uh, they're turning towards Russia. Now, this is definitely not the ultimate solution, uh, but it does indicate the frustration that they have with the status quo. So, yes, and they're promoting this in the school.
schools, uh, and all the way down to the uh, middle schools, the high schools, the colleges and universities. Uh, even during the 1960s, I can recall uh, Parmenter Ray, you know, speaking about how, uh, you know, they were saying that um, African people uh, have equal opportunity in the military. They can advance in the military. Yet we died disproportionately in Vietnam. We were, you know, uh, poisoned uh, with narcotics in Vietnam. We're talking about the Vietnam generation. Many of them were wiped out. Uh, we can look at Iraq. We can look at Syria. We can look at uh, Haiti, Libya. Uh, many of these veterans, Africans and non-Africans of those wars, are in horrendous psychological and physical conditions right now. So I tell all the young people uh, that I can to stay out of the United States military. It's a death trap, not only for you and your community and your family, but it's, it's, it's a purveyor of genocide for people throughout uh, the entire globe. Uh, what's going on now in Ukraine, these are European people, and they have been exploited uh, politically uh, to carry on a war that they know that the U.S. knows they cannot win uh, for the purpose of antagonizing the, the uh, Russian Federation. This is also directed towards the People's Republic of China, the Islamic Republic of Iran, uh, the anti-imperialist forces in Africa, uh, whether we're talking about Zimbabwe, uh, Eritrea, and others. Uh, Ethiopia is under attack uh, by the propaganda arm of the U.S. Uh, imperialists. They're trying to divide the country even further. They've imposed sanctions. They have a bill right now, several bills right now, in the U.S. Congress uh, to further isolate Ethiopia, to prevent African countries from even trading with the Russian Federation. So I'll stop right there, brother, but, um, you know, people should stay away from the United States military. You know, Brother Zigway, one contradiction about looking at this role of Africon is that African people are participating in their own form of oppression. When they participate in the political system and they vote, such as your politicians, your African politicians, they vote and support policies, such as the one we're talking about of sending U.S. troops into Africa to fight against their own people because they see themselves as not being an African but seeing themselves as American. What can we do to make these African politicians here and elsewhere become more accountable to the decisions that they participate in as it relates to our suffering? Well, I mean, it's what, um, you know, our predecessors and SNCC, um, you know, and others, you know, like Kwame Ray, you know, we have to be out among the people on the campuses and the high schools, you know, doing political education work, distributing leaflets, uh, sharing podcasts like this to make people aware that we are an African people. I mean, there's all kinds of attacks <clears throat> just on the notion that Africans in the United States are African people and that they have a common interest with other African and oppressed people around the world. So we just have to be out there uh, pushing uh, this information uh, to the general public, particularly in this country, uh, because there are so many distractions uh, like you said, uh, they encourage people to go into the military, 
Uh, they're encouraging people to go into the police. Uh, two years ago, after the uh, execution of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmed Arbery and so many others, millions of people went out into the streets in this country and around the world. You know, just on the question of um, police terrorism. Uh, but now, you know, with Joe Biden in office, which many of our people supported, uh, said in the State of the Union address, they don't want to defund the police. They want more money for the police. So this is a clear indication that both the Democratic and the Republican parties are pro-police, and the police are really an extension of the FBI, the Central Intelligence Agency, the Department of Homeland Security, and the Pentagon, and NATO. I mean, they're the first line of defense, you know, for the capitalist system. And... Um, that's why they, they, they have to fund them, they have to recruit for them, and they have to promote the notion that without the police and without the U.S. military, uh, that uh, our, our well-being would be uh, in jeopardy. And it's just the opposite. Uh, the police, as we know, uh, were formed uh, out of the um, slave patrols, the uh, efforts to contain African and indigenous people uh, in the United States. And they continue to serve that role uh, in terms of um, what they do in the cities, what they do in the suburbs, and the rural areas. And I'll find a question, Anthony. I'll give it to you. Uh, yes. Um, final question is um, uh, how important it is for for us to be organized in order to counter the uh, uh, the attack by, uh, uh, the, these attacks by our, our enemies. Uh, could you speak uh, uh, speak to that a bit? Because I think one, as Kwame Ture pointed out, is our biggest problem is our lack of organization. And is that due to the fact that we don't have that we don't take control of the education of our youth and therefore leave it up, leave the education of youth up to other people that do not have our interests at heart. Yeah, that's important. It's essential because if we only, you know, view politics as going to the polls every two years, four years, or six years to vote for the Congress, uh, the Senate, the President, the local uh, officials, the governor, uh, the city council people, the mayors, uh, then we're not going to uh, advance uh, significantly. And I think this is a problem. You know, even those Africans who are in the uh, U.S. Congress and the U.S. Senate voted uh, to send our tax dollars to Ukraine to expand NATO. You know, this is totally unacceptable. So if we were organized, uh, even in a Democratic Party as a bloc, uh, we could, those people could be recalled uh, for, for, you know, for this type of uh, activity. The fact that they're not even speaking out at all against the deployment of U.S. troops into Somalia, uh, the sanctions against Ethiopia, the sanctions against Zimbabwe, uh, they say nothing, uh, or they support uh, what the Biden or the Trump, Trump administration did. So, yeah, I think 
uh, until we get organized and consciously organized, uh, we're going to be in the same situation. And it's getting worse now uh, because the Republican Party had their chance, the Democrats now have their chance, and whatever they do is just worsening the conditions, like Malcolm X said. Whatever, whatever solution they come up with is just another trick. And uh, our people have to realize this and uh, have to rise up against this uh, system. And on that note, Brother Zeke, we'd like to thank you for the Pan-African Warriors News Warrior for sharing your perspective on our theme tonight. And what we're going to do right now, we're going to take a rubbish culture break. You know, when we talk about this question of oppression, we say whenever there is oppression, there will be resistance. And resistance comes in different forms. Right now, you're going to hear some of these forms through the expression of our rupture culture and music. And when we come back, we will have our sister Simeon. Um, she's an organizer, representative of women for friendship and peace in Iran. So we're going to take our rupture culture break. We're celebrating six, four years of African Liberation Day and seven, four years of Palestine and Nakba Day. We'll be right back. This is African Liberation Day, Palestine Day. Brother in chains, living in pain, today is the same, and nothing ever changes. Hung by a noose, can't tell the truth, filled with abuse, and everywhere there's danger. How long can this go on? When will the light I see? I know I must be strong to last through my journey. Yes, last through my journey. To get off the ride and stop going through these changes. We must prepare and learn how to care, but soon we'll be there while our lives won't be in danger. And when the light is clear, oh, how beautiful I will be to know that I've been. And made it through my journey, yeah. And made it through my journey, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Made it through my journey. Made it through my journey. Pellerino. A bloodline across the waters. From Benin to Salvador Bahia, a scar across the face of the earth. Pellerino, the place they brought the Africans, the place where they tried to make them slaves. Pellerino, you can feel the whip, hear the cries, and see the blood in the red clay. 
the clay that holds the stones together is African. And each stone is a bone from a people called slaves. Pellerino was the place where death came to dwell. His neighbors did not complain, for he was a way out. From the cold, gray, cobblestone streets to the lifeless cathedrals, tall walls of demons called angels, haunted visions of white faces crucifying Jesus again and again. But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights pacing the floors of his funeral parlor, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods, where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin turned up to dance, to inspire a fire like the sun, pronouncing his presence. Pellerino was the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain blind, shining a light on a spirit that would not be denied. No, the chains did not break the spirit, did not enslave the music of my soul, did not shackle the will of my freedom, did not tarnish the glow of my gold, and all the Pellerinos in Africa, in Europe, in North and South America cannot destroy the majesty of my people, the love of my people, shining like the sun everywhere we go, everywhere we go. When the light is clear, oh, how beautiful I will be. Know that I've been here and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 yeah.
set the world on fire. I don't know who said it, said it, but I know we African people, once we get organized, we're going to put it out. So welcome back to Africa on the Move. Uh, we are co-sponsoring this special program in support of African Liberation Month, which is being organized under the banner of the All-African Peoples Revolutionary Party GC. My co-host tonight is a member, Brother Anthony Williams. He's going to give us a little review of this year's theme and the things we're discussing tonight. And then we're going to bring on our next guest who represents the Women for Friendship and Peace of the Rhine. Brother Anthony, again, share with our listening audience, for those who just joined us, what is this year's theme for African Liberation Day and what topics are we speaking to tonight, Brother Anthony? Sure. Our overall theme for this year's African Liberation Day, Palestine, not by day, is unleashing an offensive of 64 years of African Liberation Day, intensifying the revolutionary struggle against capitalism and imperialism, Zionism and neocolonialism, forward to Pan-Africanism, one unified socialist Africa. The topics for tonight's program are Pan-Africanism, yes. U.S. AFRICOM and NATO, no. U.S. out of Africa, Guantanamo, Cuba, Shannon Airport, Ireland, and political prisoners movement and smash FBI, CIA. And with that introduction, we're going to bring in our sister, Simeon. She's a representative of Women for Friendship and Peace in Iran. She's going to introduce herself, tell us a little something about her, and she's going to give us her thoughts on our theme tonight based upon her experiences in struggling against these various forms of oppression. Sister Simeon, welcome to Africa on the Moon. Yes, my sister. Mike is yours. Thank you. Can you hear me, Sister Simeon? Hello? Yes. Um, thank you for having me in this program. And um, my name is Simin Royanian, and the organization is Women for Peace and Justice in Iran. And uh, I wanted to um, start. Sorry. The, uh, the U.S. collapse has all through history imprisoned and murdered Americans, especially communists and other revolutionaries, for their ideologies and their participation in union organizing and liberation movements. We remember Fred Hampton and prison industry by imprisoning the disenfranchised for the slightest act of law-breaking, to the point that today the U.S. has the largest number of prisoners and the highest per capita prisoners in the world, and its use of maximum security prisons is a form of torture. 
As an Iranian, I would like to speak about the role of CIA in creating and running prisons around the world. The U.S., along with other imperialist governments, such as Japan and U.K. and Germany, have been involved in a strategic plan of action against communism and socialism all around the world, concentrating in defeating the Soviet Union in the first half of the 20th century. With the victory of the Soviet Union over Nazi Germany, and with the rise of socialist revolutions in East Europe and China and other parts of the world, the U.S. formed the CIA with the specific task of fighting communism anywhere, any means, with impunity. This was along the establishment of NATO. In 1953, the CIA carried a coup d'etat in Iran, which was the first attempt by CIA to carry out a coup to overthrow a progressive nationalist government and replace it by a government chosen by the U.S. The coup fomented a group of thugs paid by the CIA in the service of the American orchestrated coup. The U.S. actually flew a plane full of money to be distributed to the talks. This is a fact of history. The coup was quickly successful, one reason being that the Iranians did not expect the Americans of doing such a thing. The form of coup became the prototype and was implemented in Vietnam, Indonesia, Chile, and many other countries in the global south. Many revolutionaries, especially communists, as the Indonesia, were in the aftermath of 1957 CIA coup, overthrowing the government of Sukarno, between 100,000 to 1 million people, according to estimates which are not exact, they were mostly communists, were killed. After the 1973 Chile coup, the communists and other left revolutionaries were massacred on the streets and in a stadium where they were kept. And it is reported that 30,000 communists were killed over a few days in that stadium. In Africa, they assassinated Lumumba and carried out attacks on all the liberation movements in the continent. Following the physical extermination of many, the CIA set up prisons with torture chambers for interrogation and then trained security personnel. In Iran, the organization was the dreaded SAVAK. Members of such organizations were trained by CIA personnel in the use of the most advanced and sophisticated torture methods. In 1946, the U.S. established a School of the Americas, the SOA, where a U.S. Army Center has trained more than 60,000 soldiers and police, mostly from Latin America, in counterinsurgency and combat-related skills. One of the infamous projects of the CIA and the SOA was the Operation Condor in Latin America, where at least 60,000 deaths can be attributed to Condor. Roughly 30,000 of these in Argentina, 
And the archives of terror list 50,000 killed, 30,000 disappeared, and 400,000 imprisoned. In Vietnam, they, cap- they captured Viet Cong soldiers who were prisoners of war, were imprisoned in CIA cages. These cages were tiger cages, which were for a tiger, a four-legged animal. The Viet Cong prisoners of war had to sit bent over in these individual tiger cages, and there are many pictures of them available. The honors, the horrors of CIA operations have contributed, have continued up to today. All the men, I'm sorry, right all the way to the fall of Soviet Union, the most horrendous activities of the CIA agents and special operators were carried out against communities, communists around the world after the fall of the Soviet Union. They have expanded this to all the nations and organizations and all the people that refuse to accept U.S. imperialism. More recent examples of the CIA special operatives in, uh, in Afghanistan carrying crimes against the people of Afghanistan over decades, building black CIA prisons, the most infamous being background where the thousands of Afghanis have been imprisoned, tortured, and murdered. The head of that prison was Gina Haspel, who was rewarded by a promotion to the director of the CIA. At her Senate hearing for this position, she said, proud of her work at the background prison. We know of the infamous Abu Ghraib prison and its torture pictures, and then there is Guantanamo prison. Not only the U.S. has imprisoned human beings with no charges for over 20 years, but they have been subjected to all forms of torture. And these crimes are carried out in occupied Cuba. It is distressing that the government of Cuba agreed to normalize diplomatic relations with the U.S. without demanding that the occupation of Guantanamo be ended. So we need an end to occupation of Guantanamo, Cuba, and it has to be on top of the list of all demands for Cuba. As it is clear, U.S. imperialism rules by terror. It is the biggest terrorist country, and the CIA is the biggest terrorist organization in the world. The U.S. has expanded the budget and the role of CIA, and now CIA carries military operations as well as coup planning and prison buildings. Hello, can you hear Simeon? Hello? Brother Anthony, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Can you hear Simeon? I lost control from me on this end. I can't hear. Can you hear? No, I can't. 
Okay, to our listening audience, this is Africa on the Moon. We're celebrating 640 years of African Liberation Day and 740 years of Enochmont Palestine Day. As you know, like always, wherever there um oppression, there'll be resistance. Um, we're trying to give you the kind of information that you need so you can liberate yourself. Clearly, you can see that our sister's having some difficulties in terms of conveying her information. As you know, we don't control this these technologies. So we're going to do the best we can. So bear with us. And um, we can see you if we can get her back. But in the meantime, what we're going to do right now, let's see if we can go to our next guest while we try to get her back. I believe we have with us, uh, we had Brother Kwaku, Brother Kwaku on on the line um, for Castle from Haiti. We're going to bring our brother Kweku in, I believe. Um, just hold for one second. Brother Kweku, can you hear my voice? Yes, I can hear your voice, and I'm glad to be here. Thank you, my brother. We thank you for being here. You know, we're talking about um, these three forms of uh, repression by these particular systems that we call evil systems, such as imperialism, capitalism, Zionism, neocolonialism, etc., and we know Haiti have a history of fighting against these very forms of oppression. So what we're going to do right now, I'll turn this mic on over to you, and you tell us some of the histories and struggles of Haiti and this whole issue for dealing with these different forms of uh, repression and how we can maybe work together as one functioning unit throughout the world. So the mic is yours, Brother Kate Quickle. Thank you very much. And, uh, if I may, I will start with a an incantation or a prayer that comes from the Haitian Revolution, or what we call the Haitian Revolution, which was, um, in, in literal fact, an African Revolution or Pan-African Revolution on the island of Haiti. Prayer comes out of the Conference of Boakaima, in which these Africans got together and organized themselves as one political unit to liberate the space, to end slavery there, and to advance independence and end enslavement, not only in IEP, but across what was called the Americas, and is still by some called the Americas today, and advance that struggle worldwide successfully. So we'll do this in uh, Creole and then do it in English for those English speakers and Creole speakers. Bon Dieu qui te fait la terre. Qui fait soleil qui clair nous en haut, mon Dieu qui soulève la mer, qui fait grandir l'orage, mon Dieu qui cache les nuages, ça garde nous côté ouye, ouais tout ça blanc y'a fait. Je blanc y'a mandé crème mais pas nous les bien faits. Mon Dieu nous qui si bon qui si juste, y'a un évangile. C'est lui qui a grandi, qui a conduit bon nous, c'est lui qui a pas nos assistants. Nous devons jeter et mettre blanc y'a qui boit de l'eau dans les nous. And in English, the God who created the sun, which gives us light, who raises the waves and rules the storm, though hidden in the clouds, he watches us. He sees all that the white man does. The God of the white man inspires him with crime. But our God calls us to do good works. Our God, who is good to us, orders us to revenge our wrongs. He will guide our arms and aid us. We must throw away the symbol, the image, 
of the God of the whites, who has so often caused us to weep and listen to the voice of liberty that speaks in the hearts of us all. Ahibobo. I begin with that prayer, and um, once again, my name is Kwaku Lumumba, the External Relations Coordinator for COSA, which is short for Combit Citoyen Socialiste Pusove Haiti, a socialist organization that is born and bred and headquartered in the south of Haiti. Now, beginning with African liberation and leading into the struggles against this military-industrial complex and the need to smash the CIA and the FBI, we have to give thanks and praise to the legacy of IET and those revolutionaries who came before us there because what that space represents for us, what that successful revolution represents for African people struggling for liberation the world over is a literal empire of liberty, which it was named and established to be in 1805 before the assassination of its first emperor and the general that led it to that liberation struggle victory, Jean-Jacques Dessalines. What we are looking at as far as the example is Haiti representing for the rest of the African world, first and foremost, that we could be victorious in struggling against the imperial powers of the day. We're talking about, of course, France. We're talking about Great Britain, so-called Great Britain. We're talking about Spain. We're talking about the new United States of America and those original colonies, those 13 colonies. And we're talking about even Portugal, of course, which was smaller but had a um, significant impact on the trade or human trafficking of African bodies. And so what IET represents is African people being able to, even outnumbered and overpowered, being able to strategize and beat back these military forces. And so there was a wave of revolutions and revolts that followed that and that were influenced and impacted not only by the example but by the resources that this new, empire, this new empire offered. And so we're looking at um, places like the colony of Louisiana, which not only had uh, Haitian revolutionaries sent there to support revolts there, but was inspired. Those Africans that were taken over and changed were inspired by their brothers and sisters who were successful in IET in that struggle. We're talking about places that were in Georgia and Florida, Cuba, Venezuela, even as far as the Eastern Caribbean and St. Lucia that looked to one of the last emperors in IET as a symbol of liberation for their liberation struggle in St. Lucia. We're talking about a place in which it provided a safe haven for any people, any human being who was looking for liberation. So, so far that if you stepped your foot on the land, you were free, and if you were of African descent, you were a citizen and could own land. And that was unprecedented in the world at that time because you remember um, in, in the United States, African people, people of African descent, were not considered human. We were considered chattel. And even so far as going forward, considered only a percentage of a human being and still struggling to be more than second-class citizens even to this day. So IET was revolutionary in every aspect 
in every regard of the term. We're talking about a nation that, in spite of it not being recognized as existing or being a nation until 1860, almost 60 years after its creation, its inception, its independence, went on to support international liberation struggles all the way to Ethiopia, the Battle of Adwa. You had Haiti supporting Ethiopia against the Italian invasion and attempt at colonizing Ethiopia. You had Haiti supporting the Greeks against the Ottoman Empire for their liberation. Haiti was a founding member of the United Nations, and so it supported in that way solidarity movements across the globe for liberation and membership and recognition of our brothers and sisters in various countries. And what is not often mentioned is even during the Duvalier regime, the, the, the terrible and, uh, and, and dreaded Duvalier regime, you had Haitian professionals who were willingly traveling to countries in Africa that were newly independent so that they could train a professional class in all of these countries so that Africa could advance toward self-determination and true liberation. And so IET represents that for us, and African people owe a great debt to the legacy of these revolutionaries, not just in some uh, word, but in deed, to continue that revolution. Because anywhere in the world where liberation has not been achieved yet by our people or by our brothers in humanity, we must continue to live by that mandate of liberté or la mort, which means liberty or death. And so we must continue to struggle to the death for the liberation of African people, for the liberation of people of African descent and our brothers and sisters throughout the world. And that is the legacy and the example of IET that we must continue. In regard to the military-industrial complex, which is very relevant to what's going on in IET today and what has happened to IET since its independence gradually and in waves. When we look at what happened or what's happened since 1915, for example, when we're talking about the CIA and the FBI, in 1915, the United States Marines invaded and occupied IET for near, uh, nearly about 20 years or so and stayed there to take the resources of IET and to colonize the nation under the U.S.-Haiti Convention of 1915, where the United States which we're so familiar with seeing, implanted or placed a president in IET, changed the Constitution, and in this convention it granted the United States the right to intervene militarily anytime it saw fit in Haitian affairs for it to manage the foreign affairs of IET and for it to control the economy and the resources of IET. So when they took the gold, and they put the gold of IET into Fort Knox. They considered that not theft, but their right by the convention and colonization. When they granted, when they took over the debt of uh, freedom from France that was left over, and the guarantor was the uh, Citibank or the Bank of, Citibank of New York, which is Citibank today. That was not, according to them, that was the their right and under the convention and as a colonial authority over IET. And that convention is still in place today. So when we see the U.S. 
Marine Force swooping in to pick up a president or swooping in to do any of its deeds after a coup that the CIA has organized, then we understand that these are things that the United States feels like is its right in IET. Um, Even looking at the end of the Duvalier regime and the beginning or the, the leading into a supposed democracy in IET, a direct democracy, where um, Jean-Bertrand Aristide was elected. The CIA was involved in vetting what the possibility of an election was there. And so we see that they determined that Aristide was amenable to their desires. And when he was no longer amenable to their desires, they organized a proxy of the CIA in IET, and those that they had trained led the initial coup against Aristide. And, of course, whenever they're tired of their, of their lapdogs, then they charge them with some sort of drug trafficking or any sort of uh, international crime that they can come and pick them up and arrest them and use them as they see fit when they see fit. And we have seen that happen time and time again in IET. And most recently, Interestingly enough, and I'll close with this so we can go into our question and answer. After we saw the assassination of IET's most recent president, Jovenel Moïse, the new or the, the interim administration that was there and fighting for power, they called in, they requested the FBI, the FBI, which is a domestic organization, to its counterpart, the CIA, which is an international organization. They called in the FBI to investigate what happened. And the FBI is there and has been there investigating what happened. Now, the the United States doesn't send its FBI to other, other sovereign nations. The only reason it feels like it can do that is because it sees IET as its own under the Convention of 1915. It sees IET as its own, as its right to be able to go in there, send its troops in there, whether it's a proxy force of the United Nations, which had been there for a very long time after the earthquake, or before the earthquake, I'm sorry, from 2004, and continue to be there after the earthquake and use these disasters as as an excuse to rape and pillage and to take more resources out of the nation. Or whether it's sending its FBI in to investigate something that it very well knows was orchestrated um, right under its nose. And so there's a need for us freedom-loving peoples of the world who support African liberation and liberation of all of our brothers and sisters to continue this liberation struggle in the spirit of African Liberation Day and in the spirit of IIT and its revolution to smash imperialism, smash the organs of imperialism, namely the CIA and the FBI, and make sure that our people can be free and self-determined wherever we happen to be. And we will continue to advance that in the name of freedom and socialism as African people wherever we happen to be. So thank you. There were Brother Lumumu working with POSA, which is a social organization based in Haiti. Before we go into our questions and answer period, we have one more presenter. We're going to bring in right now John Standback. He represents an organization um, called the Himishima Nakasaki Peace Committee of the National Capital. John, welcome to African Liberation Day, Palestine, and Nakba Day. Welcome, John. 
Uh, thank you, Brother Africa, uh, Brother Anthony, uh, the organizers, uh, African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Uh, I'm um, honored to be asked to participate, uh, speaking as a settler, speaking as an ally of the movement. Uh, you know, I've worked with uh, AAPRP and AAPRP uh, GC. Uh, I would I would guess now 40 years, and and I'd like to say you know that t tonight I've been on with Lewis Wolf and Phil Lalito and Brother uh, Jihad and uh, Sister Samin and 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 Brother Nightwolf. You know these are all freedom fighters that I've worked with for at least 30 years, and in the case of uh, uh, Sister Samin, probably closer to. 40 years. So it's just a really great honor to to be invited to participate. Um, the topic is a very important topic. Uh, uh, the, the, the political prisoners, the freedom fighters uh, are our soldiers, uh, and we can't forget them uh, that while they're there. I, I've, I've been uh, active uh, in support of Leonard Peltier uh, for uh, over 40 years. Uh, and and, and uh, I have um, the last time I saw Leonard in person was when he was at Lewisburg prison, and uh, and his last words to me literally were that you know he was counting on our support, and he believed that due to our support that he would he would one day uh, get out of prison. So. Uh, and he's down in Florida now, and uh, the International Leonard Peltier Defense Committee is still has a website, so people can go there. Uh, they have merchandise. They have. Uh, they need donations. Uh, they need support. And Leonard is only one of of many freedom fighters in prison. Uh, I'd like to mention, although that right as we speak right now, there are none of the plowshares movement in prison. Uh, the plowshares are the, are the Catholic workers that have been protesting for the last 35, 40 years against nuclear weapons. And, uh, you know, they've paid a heavy, heavy price. Several of them have been in prison over 10 years. Uh, so we, we need to remember them. We need to, as some, Sister Samin said, uh, our sisters and brothers all over the world. I mean, uh, this has been going on for 500 years. Uh, and people have been fighting back for 500 years. And the, 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 uh, Frederick Douglass told us that power concedes nothing without struggle. Uh, and I mean, that, that, that holds today. And uh, there, there's, uh, Samin and I were talking the other day that the, the level of propaganda is unprecedented. Um, I've been in the movement uh, since 1969, when I got out of the Coast Guard and attended the University of Michigan, I was part of the Black Action Movement, and I've been part of the struggle and part of the Black Liberation Support Movement and other liberation movements, the PLO, and so on and since then. And uh, I, I have never seen the level of propaganda that there is today. I mean, we, we've got the situation in the Ukraine where uh, the, the U.S. government has sent $54 billion in weapons to support what is essentially a Nazi regime, the Azov Battalion, and there's 15 or 20 other similar 
battalions, they use swastikas, they use uh, Nazi salutes, and they have a reputation going back to before uh, World War II. And this is the this is the this is what we're supporting. Uh, you know, the, our liberal friends they they love to talk about Trump being a Nazi and so on and so forth. But when it comes to real Nazis, uh, they can't love them enough. So you know, we, I mean, uh, Brother Malcolm warned us about the liberals, and Phil Oaks warned us about the liberals, and the liberals are still there. So, so we have to beware. We have to beware. Uh, in in the struggle, we have to make allies. We have to we have to work in coalition. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it, it may be difficult, but we need to know which side people are on. And uh, and if there's a silver lining with this situation. Uh, in Ukraine, the special military operation, it's that it's exposing people for exactly what they are. And so we, we, we need to remember where people stand when it comes to supporting the military and supporting the CIA and supporting the FBI. Uh, and re- remember who these people are and remember that when push comes to shove, you know, uh, when we when the barricades go up, they're not on our side. Uh, what we need to do is we need to continue the struggle. We need to be out there organizing, organizing the oppressed, organizing the working class. Uh, Dr. King had the right idea when they killed him with his Poor People's Campaign, organizing around class issues. Brother Malcolm talked about organizing around class issues. Brother Fred Hampton in Chicago was organizing around class issues. Uh, and and uh, in the end, it's about capitalism. It's about imperialism that uh, uh, Lenin called the highest stage of capitalism. And that's what this war in, uh, in Ukraine is all about, this NATO-instigated war in Ukraine. It's all about uh, defeating Russia and uh, grabbing the Russian resources and grabbing uh, the, the Russian markets and, and then turning the, the tentacles toward China. And it's very interesting that the U.S. government is demanding from its vassal states that, uh, the, the, that the world sanction Russia, but when you actually look at the world, the vast majority of the world isn't sanctioning Russia. You know, why, why should they? China isn't sanctioning Russia. India isn't sanctioning Russia. Indonesia isn't sanctioning Russia. The vast majority of the world's people understand that this is an imperialist war. And so um, I, I just want to end this by saying that the uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki Peace Committee is working on a on a project on June the 11th. We're actually going to have a physical rally, old-fashioned. We're going to be from 4 until 6 o'clock. We're going to be in front of the White House on Saturday, June 11th, and we're going to remember the 40th anniversary of the the great disarmament rally in Central Park. And our featured speaker is going to be Reverend Herbert Daughtry, who is the founder of the Black United Front. And we're working with Herbert and with other uh, uh, people, and we're also going to be featuring young activists reminding people 
the disarmament movement, the, the primarily white folks in the disarmament movement, that the real disarmament movement, the global movement, we called it back in the day the non-aligned movement, was overwhelmingly led by uh, people of color all over the world. And uh, that, that, that it is people of color, it is the global south that has led the struggle and continues to lead the struggle against imperialism and uh, against capitalism. And so uh, in, in a real sense, the state of the movement, if we look at it globally, and we see where things are going in terms of uh, the majority of the world really standing up to capitalist imperialism right now, uh, I think that I feel very, very optimistic about the future. So I would just recommend that uh, you know we all uh, buckle down, we continue to talk with the young people, we continue to try to set examples for the, for the young people and to give them guidance and to, and then in the end, of course, you know, stand out of the way and let them take, let them take the lead and support them. So uh, having said all that, I think I'm going to uh, pass the microphone over to Brother Anthony and uh, for questions. And thank you again for letting me talk. Brother Anthony, before we start the questions, we may want to share some solidarity statements that has been um received by the AAPRPGC as we continue to celebrate African Liberation Month. Sure. I would like to share uh, this statement uh, from uh, Haiti Action. Um, And uh, let's see, uh, let's see, uh, starts. Haiti Oye sends revolutionary greetings and congratulatory wishes on the occasion of African Liberation Day to the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC, and the All-African Women's Revolutionary Union, GC. Further, we extend our firm solidarity to our Palestinian brothers and sisters upon the commemoration of Nakba. In addition, we take this occasion to honor express our solidarity with indigenous peoples around the world. The struggles for African, Palestinian, and indigenous liberation are hallmarked by by tremendous courage and unyielding perseverance. These movements have shown time and again what people organized to fight liberation struggles can accomplish and serve as sterling examples to inspire others who follow in their wake, including our own organization's efforts in Haiti. It is an honor to be included in the African Liberation Day Not By program. We remain in conscious and purposeful solidarity with these struggles and stand ready to act whenever and however needed. Thank you. Okay, can you try one more? Yes. Give me a moment. Okay. Uh, we have a statement from uh, uh, Penny Gamble Williams of the 
Chappaquiddick tribe of the Wampanoag Nation of Massachusetts. Oquene, peace. With gratitude, I greet you. My name is Penny Gamble Williams, an enrolled member and spiritual leader of the Chappaquiddick tribe of the Wampanoag Nation of Massachusetts. I reside in Maryland on the land of the Piscataway, Kanoi, Nakotang people. This is the place where the mighty Chesapeake, Potomac, Anacostia, and Patuxent converge into the Atlantic Ocean. Since the new people invaded Turtle Island, indigenous women have been on the front line to protect children, elders, and Mother Earth. From the Arctic, Canada, the U.S., Central America, South America, all of the islands, Africa, India, Asia, and islands in the Pacific, women have had to fight for respect. Today, we are all faced with so many life challenges. As indigenous women, violence, war, loss of land, food insecurity, poverty, Missing and murdered women have only gotten worse. The more our Mother Earth trashed, is trashed, poisoned, and stripped of resources that should be left in the ground, the more likely indigenous women, elders, and children will be abused. Colonization and corporate greed rule the world. Standing up for the Earth and women will shift the energy, understanding our connection and our relationship to the earth and to everyone will be beneficial to the, for the survival of humanity. There are a lot of women who will not stop working to protect the children, elders, and the water. The power of indigenous women on the front line will not stop. One earth one love. Thank you. Blessings to you all. Thank you, Anthony. This is Africa on the Moon. We're discussing with some of our comrades and allies as it relates to the very forms of repression under the industrial complex. Also, look at this issue of political prisons and this whole question of smashing the FBI CIA. Right now, we have with us, we have still have with us, Brother. Uh, Brother Zeke from the Pan-African News. We still have with us Brother John Steinbeck from Himashima Nakasaki Peace Committee of National Capital. And we also still have with us uh, Brother Kweku Lamumu from Kosa out of Haiti. We're going to direct these questions to interview three. Feel free to um, respond. But I'm going to ask you to take this lead, Brother Kweku, in terms of this response. When one look at history, we say history double repeats itself. But there are parallels of certain time and certain areas of history that seem very closely similar. For example, if you look at the beginning of the Berlin Conference between 1884-85 and looking at the battle to carve up Africa and to um, divide Africa and control African people, we seem to be re- 
reoccurring the same type of history, the same type of struggle. Your response to that, Brother Kweku? Can you hear me, Brother Kweku? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Sorry, I was muted. Um, But, yeah, I was saying that it's correct that history doesn't repeat itself. Um, History is a continual process, and we just have to analyze the material conditions to understand what what gives birth to certain um, activities or certain occasions so that we can prepare ourselves and strategize against certain things that may not be in our interest, like what you talked about, the colonization, the Berlin Conference, so, so on and so forth, what continues to happen to us today in the form of neocolonialism. And the fact that we're still struggling against it just speaks to the fact that we need to do a better job of um, studying and understanding that phenomena so that we can completely defeat it. Um, we've done at different periods of time, we've been able to, um, push it back. We've been able to um, defeat it in different areas on the globe at different points in time as well, but not wholesale, not completely. Um, so we just have to continue to engage one another in a form of uh, pan-Africanism or uh, internationalism that allows us to connect with one another um, on a more balanced front, on a more balanced footing, so that when our brothers and sisters in Palestine are fighting against the Zionists um, from their, from the Zionist state there, the, our brothers and sisters in the United States can fight against the Zionists from the Zionist state here. And so that yeah. we can do the same thing, whether it be in Vietnam or uh, in Venezuela. So that's just something that we have to get better at doing and globalizing our effort so that we can beat back the globalization of the colonialism imperialism. Brother Zikwe, you'd like to have a response to that as well? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to uh, say I'm um, uh, enjoying uh, listening, you know, to the various uh, speakers and their analysis and the history that's being put forward uh, in the program. And um, But I believe that history does not repeat itself. Um, I believe that today, although we face formidable challenges as African people, as oppressed people and uh, people of conscience all over the world, a lot of what the U.S. imperialists are doing is being carried out uh, as desperation uh, because they can see uh, that Mm -hmm. uh, they're being outflanked by the socialist countries um, and they're being outflanked, you know, by the genuine revolutionary forces uh, in the world. And even those countries that may not be revolutionary but perhaps have different interests uh, with the United States are not um, following their lines. Now, we can see that in Ukraine. Uh, We can see it uh, in relationship to Iran and China. And uh, a lot of the African countries, even those that are non, they have governments that are not necessarily progressive, uh, but there are certain things that they cannot do uh, because the people will not tolerate it. So I think that the imperialist system right now is seriously under threat. And if we look at our history, uh, we know that uh, prior to the 15th century, 
uh, that the world system was not centered uh, in the Western uh, imperialist countries. It was, it was centered in the East, you know, in Africa, in West Asia, throughout Asia, the Asia Pacific. And um, that's going to return. Uh, you know, you can see it, and the imperialists can see it. Uh, so that's what we have to understand. That's, that's what we have to bring, you know, to all our organizing efforts. Okay, and Brother John. Uh, we, uh, thank you, Brother Africa. Yeah, Go ahead, Brother you, John, you Can you hear me? Okay, good. So, yes, we uh, can. I just like, yeah, good. So I, I just like to, to add uh, history does not repeat itself. It is a a process, and I, I believe, as I said earlier, you know, we're, we're at a global turning point that uh, the uh, United States, our government can no longer dictate to the world, you know, what it what it wants to do. And uh, so maybe five or six years ago, I gave a talk when we were meeting in person for Africa Liberation Day, and I talked a little bit about uh, Chairman Mao when he said that nuclear weapons are paper tigers. And and I also quoted uh, Brother uh, Bob Marley when he said. Uh, in Redemption Song, have no fear for atomic energy because none of them can stop the time. And and you, you know that no one has been uh, more involved in the anti-nuclear movement than I have over the years. But I believe that Chairman Mao and, and Brother Marley are absolutely correct that uh, the United States government has threatened dozens and dozens of times to use nuclear weapons. And the idea is it's going to intimidate and it's going to uh, scare. And, and most of them have been directed at third world countries. And uh, the point is that it, it really doesn't matter because in the end, it's going to be uh, people fighting for liberation and fighting for freedom that are going to continue the fight and they're not going to back down because of nuclear weapons. And I mean, we don't, don't get me wrong, we still need to struggle against nuclear weapons because they represent a threat to the world, but we can't let the fear of nuclear weapons get in the way of our demanding uh, peace and, and justice. And you can't have peace without justice. No justice, no peace. So uh, that's all I want to say. Okay, Brother Anthony, I'll turn the mic over to you for right now. Uh, certainly. Um, uh your uh, observations are accurate. History does not re- repeat itself, but as Kwame Ture point out, people can repeat errors, and uh, and that's a consequence of not knowing our history and uh, and uh, lack of uh, you know education among the people. But the resistance still continues. Um, I want uh, uh, y'all to comment on the fact that um, that for all the all the uh, uh, the talk of, of uh, different countries being nuclear threats, uh, according to history, the only country that has ever used nuclear weapons against a people has been the U.S. And they use them against 
they're Japanese. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, and uh, some of them, uh, uh, let's see, some of the most uh, dangerous uh, nuclear arsenals are in capitalist or or uh, Zionist-controlled uh, countries. Would anyone like to speak to that issue? So are we are we alive on the phone? Yes, we are. Yes. Okay, so this is John Steinbach, you know, Hiroshima Nagasaki Peace Committee of the National Capital Area, and I've written extensively about this issue. Just a couple points that I'd like uh, to make, and, and particularly I'm going to talk about the United States arsenal and the, and the Israeli arsenal. I mean, for practical purposes, uh, Britain and France are vassals of the United States. Uh, they really don't count. Uh, India and Pakistan are both armed with nuclear weapons to the teeth, mainly threatening each other. Uh, North Korea has a, a handful of primitive nukes. Uh, it's the United States and, and Israel uh, that I want to talk about very briefly. And the, the main point that I want to make is that the the U.S. nuclear policy is not about deterrence. It's never been about deterrence. It's never been about defense. The purpose of nuclear weapons is to provide the, the muscle behind the Pentagon's control of the world. Uh, the, the, uh, George Keenan talked about it back in the 1950s. And he said the objective is to control the resources of the world uh, to preserve the American way of life, that the American uh, population is about 5% of the world's population, but the people, the United States consumes about 30% of the world's resources, he said. And the sooner we understand that, we get rid of all the sentimentality, uh, then the better off we're going to be. And particularly the purpose of U.S. nuclear weapons is to control the world and to control the world in order to rape the resources, to rape the land, to rape the people. So that, that's very, very clear. With, with Israel, it's very similar. Uh, it's, the idea is, of the Israeli nuclear program is to control what goes on, to, to basically freeze the Arab countries so that they will not and dare not take action against, uh, uh, against Israel. So the bottom line is, is that nuclear weapons are used as coercive instruments of foreign policy, and particularly U.S. nukes and Israeli nukes. And, and as uh, Anthony said, uh, the United States is the only one to use nuclear weapons against Japan. Japan was a defeated nation, and the United States deliberately did not bomb Hiroshima and Nagasaki because they wanted this bomb to be a demonstration. And they targeted working-class communities with workers' wooden shacks because they wanted to maximize the human suffering caused by the bombs. And that's what they did. So that's my comment. This is Kwaku. I don't okay, have anything to add to that. That was, that was excellent. Go ahead, Kwaku. I was saying I don't have anything to add to that. That was excellent. 
Okay, what we're going to do right now, we have another guest who has joined us, and part of the discussion is we're also we're talking about this whole issue of political prison and the political prison movement, and we have with us our brother who's going to share some update and share some perspectives as it relates to this whole question of political prison. Brother Bilal Sani Ali, he with the Iman Jamil Action Network. Um, we're going to bring him in right now, and he's going to talk a little bit about and give us an update on our brother Jamil Alameen, Iman Jamil Alameen, and the movement and how all of this relates to our need to fight against the various forms of repression. So, Brother Bilal, we're going to bring you in. Welcome to African Liberation Day, Palestine, and Knockback Day. Okay, thank you very much. Welcome, my brother. Thank you. How are you doing? Brother. Uh, and I also want to mention that I have on the line uh, with me uh, Brother Lakeem Winborn Bay. Um, I'm the Amir, that's the administrative head of the Imam Jamil Action Network, which is the uh, which is the uh, po- uh, political advocacy arm of the campaign to free and exonerate Imam Jamil, formerly known as Hrap Brown. Uh, many of you may have been, many of you may be familiar with with Atrap Brown. Many, many of you may be familiar with Imam Jamil. But just to give a brief history, a very brief, if, if uh, for those of you who are familiar, Atrap Brown, uh, as he as, as he was known in the <clears throat> early 1960s, was part of the delegation that went with. Fannie Lou Hamer to the National Democratic Convention in uh, 1964. The National Democratic Convention was held in Atlantic City, New Jersey, where the newly formed Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party, because it outnumbered the uh, Freedom, it outnumbered the, the Democratic Party from Mississippi, it thought that it would be seated and be uh and be allowed to and its and its vote and be allowed to vote within the process uh but they were not in spite of the fact that they organized and out and outnumbered those who had who had been previously represented the representing the democratic party they still represented the democratic party um when that when that was when 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 the when the deal came down, they were offered the ability to sit. They were allowed to sit in the meeting, but were not allowed were not allowed a voice. They they weren't given a voice and weren't given a vote. And after that meeting, many of you who are old enough remember that that was a deciding factor in many people deciding that we would develop our own. Our own set of politics. Um, I mean, amongst African people ourselves, we develop our own set of politics, basically dealing with self-determination of the African population here in North America. And so, uh, Imam Jamil was very instrumental in the development of the voting rights movement as it developed in Alabama. In <clears throat> In Lowndes County, Alabama, we <clears throat> remember that the Lowndes County Freedom Organization was the 
parent organization of what became uh, what became uh, nationwide and worldwide as the Black Panther Party. Um, that Black Panther Party symbol was used, and that and the program that was used in that early stage of voter registration was for there to be was there was there to be a, a slate of voters, not just people voting not just people coming up and saying, I want to vote because I want to do this or that for the African community, but the African community would decide and create and create positions that they wanted to put in place to represent, to represent, to, uh, to represent ourselves. And that was the, that was the focus of the voter rights, voter rights movement at that time. And it has continued uh, Imam Jamil has been, uh, you know, he he went. He was the state chairman of, of of SNCC at that point, and he later became the national chairman of SNCC. That's the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, and and um, and he he was he was targeted early. Early in his in, in his in his political career in his in his life of political organizing, and he was and he was a political prisoner early in his career and throughout his whole uh, his whole service of of service to the African community, he's been a political prisoner most of the time. Right now, he is he is a political prisoner in this. He has been charged in the state of Georgia in the county of Fulton with the uh, with the murder of a sheriff deputy and the assassination of a of a, the, the murder of one and the attempted murder of another sheriff deputy and we have the we have a person who is who is responsible for the for those for those shootings who admits to being the person that pulled the trigger in both the murder and the attempted murder of both of those of both of those uh deputies of Fulton County, deputy sheriffs of Fulton County. But the state uh b- before Imam Jamil was apprehended, he was uh this person made their confession on the morning of the seventeenth of 17th of March in the year 2000, and Imam Jamil was was apprehended and taken into custody on the 20th. So it was like three three days before Imam Jamil was taken into custody, the state knew exactly who was responsible, but refused to take him into custody, and still has as they they have him in custody but they've refused to put him on trial and they've have and they have attempted to hide him from us when we sent investigators to speak with him um so Imam Jamil has continued his 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 work um has continued his work in the community organizing organizing the um street organizations into a council uh, that's known as the International Council for Urban Peace, Justice, and Empowerment. And this this association, this council, 
is responsible for bringing peace um, peace in our neighborhoods and bringing uh, and the slowing down of the so-called black-on-black crime and the, and the youth and the so-called gang violence. In spite of this, the existence of this council, we notice that mass incarceration has has continued. So Imam Jamil, as a as a political prisoner, has continued this struggle, and we're continuing to and we're continuing to push forward. I want to give out a a I want to give out a um, website, uh, which is www imamjamilactionnetwork.org again www.imamjamilactionnetwork.org where people can go to that website and see the various things that we're doing one of the primary things that we're doing right now is we're working on developing a, a, a national coalition that will support the Bobby Rush bill, Bobby Rush, many of you know, is a is a former member of the Black Panther Party, who is a congressman. He's in his last year, his last term as a congressman. And last year he put out he he authored and put forward a bill to calling for full disclosure of the counterintelligence program. Um and you can find information on that at our at our website, and we're asking people to please join that, please join that coalition as a way to, um, you know, fight for the freedom of Imam Jamil and fight for the freedom of other political prisoners because most of our political prisoners uh, fall under the the entrapment of that government program that was known that was known as COINTELPRO. One of our political prisoners, uh, Dr. Matulu Shakur, was the head and founder of a of a national task force for COINTELPRO uh, research and litigation, which entered into litigation, which often pro- exposed its research to lawyers and to district attorneys and to judges, and got the release of political prisoners. And we are we're urging people to 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 study that, to go to our website and to study about the national task, the national task force for for Conto Pro research and litigation, but more importantly to study this present movement to develop a to develop a um, coalition to push forward the um, to bring this bill. Uh, out of the committee form into the state form, and so we're 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 organizing we're organizing on that level as well as organizing <clears throat> organizing our people towards uh, confederation. We're looking at the um, we're looking at the idea that we could all uh, we could all become we could all be moved to to nationhood. Um, instead, instead of the separate nations that 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 exist within our various within our various small formations, that we can form a form of nationhood known as confederation. The AU has already accepted uh, has already accepted and designated the sixth region, which is the diaspora, 
um, as a nation, and we've we're developing aspects of that, such as the the, the we're we're developing um, we're developing a judiciary, as well as developing <clears throat> developing a um, a legislative and executive branch. But very importantly, we're developing a judiciary branch. Um, that our people can follow and our people can adhere to uh, here in the diaspora. That is that'll be part of the part of the judiciary <clears throat> apparatus of the AU, and and so we're we're moving we're moving toward that status as well as bringing up the fact that looking at the Black Belt South. Uh, looking at the looking at what was done in Lowndes County, Alabama, over 60 years ago, uh, can now be can now be sh- shown as the continuing example of the strongest bloated, blo- voting block that African people have in North America is the rural Black South, and and we can use this as a as a teaching tool to get more people interested in understanding um, the direction we're going and help us and help us form a, a larger larger grouping of us moving toward a clear direction of self determination and and self reliance and not uh, and not continuing to be uh not continuing just to be uh, footballs in the football game that's being played by the uh by the democratic and 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 republican party so again we um i'd like to ask brother lakim if he has anything to add to that um what i've said i don't know how much more time we have but if we could add anything and then we could take questions we have time my brother we have time he can share we have time Okay, brother. Assalamu alaikum. Yes, this is uh, Lakeem Winborn Bay, uh, local coordinator for the Imam Jamil Alameen Action Network, IJAN Atlanta, um, as well as a uh, uh, national senior member of the African Health Health Association and the Acupuncture Detox Collective uh, and the lineage of Dr. Matulu Shakur. Um, a, a, a few things I wanted to touch on are um, that, uh, you know, in, in following up with uh, – Bob Bilal Sunni Ali was mentioning uh, this, this we're toward the tail end we're toward the close of the UN declared decade for people of African descent um, you know this is the international declared decade uh, by the UN to 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 look at and and address uh, you know this is by the Human Rights Council um, to look at and address uh, some of the atrocities and inequities um, and and to and for what we what we're going to say simply as uh, what are they going to do in terms of reparation, um, in in terms of repair, in terms of correcting and supporting us in that process. And so, um, you know, documents have been and are being devised to be submitted, and some have been submitted from different parts of the world. Um, the Black Belt Coalition for uh, Human Rights, um, which we are a part of, is is uh, composing documents to submit to the UN. Um, uh, next year uh, in regard to the Black Belt South, um, specifically speaking to 
seven different areas um, that are being addressed. Um, many of these areas have been uh, brought forth to the UN in the past, um, but we're, it's being added to and culminated in, in, in recent documents um, and everything from uh, the Spirit of Mandela Tribunal um, to We Charge Genocide um, uh, are all part of uh, this call for uh, the UN to support the process of, of our reparations and support the process of, uh, of you know, what, what Baba Lausanne Ali was speaking of in terms of uh, our confederation um, and, and uniting us uh, under uh, as one um, and, as a, and as a part of a collective of nations. Um, so that's something that I, that I would love for people to be aware of and to look up and to follow up on. Um, and that's something that uh, also uh, in, in the near future you may be able to get some information from that same website. I'd like to send people to another website uh, for Imam Jamil. Uh, it's the uh, freeimamjamil.com, www.freeimamjamil.com. Um, and at that website you can go to two documents um, you can write letters to two, excuse me, to two different Congress people um, to help get Imam Jamil back to Georgia. Um, Imam Jamil is in a very uh, unique and um, pivotal situation with Fulton County having this thing called the Conviction Integrity Unit, who is actively um, seeking to review his case, but they are not able to review his case because he is out of the state. He's uh, he is a, you know, and these are the types of loopholes and the types of attacks, as uh, Bob Bilal said that. You know he's been a political prisoner uh much of you know uh, you know for oh, he's been incarcerated this time for twenty two years uh but over thirty years um over the years of of his sixty years of activism um he's he's been uh in and out of prison um and so uh but the conviction integrity unit has the ability to review and exonerate and overturn cases um we know that uh uh that that uh the manhattan um uh, conviction integrity unit recently uh exonerated uh those who were accused of uh uh El Haj Malik El Shabazz Malcolm X's assassination um found not to be guilty of that and so uh the conviction integrity unit would like to move forward um but the state of Georgia and the federal government you know who is the leader of the attack on our leaders the leader of the attack on our community uh the leader of the attack on uh Imam Jamil um is, has has him held hostage in Tucson, Arizona, uh, where uh, in that space uh, he's under federal jurisdiction, though he is a Fulton County state prisoner. Um, and these are the types of loopholes that like the, they 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 throw at us and put our leaders in um, to keep them, you know, to keep them out of out of the the defense of the law. Um, and they, and and then they make up the laws as they go, as we know. And so um, again, I charge people to call on people to. Go to freeimamjamil.com. Um, also, uh, uh, we're we're working in conjunction with the campaign to free Kamal Sadiqi, as well as uh, the campaign to free Dr. Matulu Shakur. We have a Freedom uh, Weekend conference coming up June 10th through the 12th. Um, at that that conference will be uh, those three campaigns working on doing coalition work together. There will be uh, a, a in-service conference with those organizations, as well as a community rally. Uh, at 6 p.m. in Malcolm X Park, um, uh, 1111 Oak Street Southwest in the West End, Atlanta, uh, the community that Imam Jamil helped to clean up and, and rid 
of drugs and crime and uh, those gang truces that uh, Bob Bilal was talking about were 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 solidified um, in that area, and and those same uh, street organizations were protecting the people um, uh, in those areas. And so June 11th, um, six to six p.m. to nine p.m. Uh, at at Malcolm X Park, 1111 Oak Street. Um, you know, we invite all to come out and promote that event as well. Um, and you know, we say, what's the call? Free them all. Um, Sundiata Coley is has been approved a parole, um, but he's not out yet. So we need to keep that, keep the pressure there and keep the prayers there. Um, Dr. Matula Shakur has recently denied parole for a ninth time. Um, again, uh, you know, nothing founded. They just don't want our leaders out here with us. They don't want us amongst us so that we can organize and build uh, more effectively. Um, and we nevertheless uh, call for their freedom. We nevertheless continue to struggle for their freedom. Um, and we nevertheless continue to, to live and operate uh, in their lineage. Um, and we uh, carry on the, the message and the medicine of Dr. Matula Shakur through the Acupuncture Detox Collective and the African Holistic Health, Health Association, um, you know, by offering these services to our community, um, you know, uh, free of charge or whatever donation. Um, and that takes place uh, in, in a variety of cities. Um, Atlanta is one, um, and you can come on Fridays to uh, I Am Ascension Temple of Love in Atlanta, um, Fridays from 4 p.m. to uh, 6.30 p.m., uh, and get you an acupuncture detox treatment, the same treatment that Dr. Matulu helped uh, get people off of heroin and methadone um, with uh, in New York. And so um, with that, you know, I would, I would definitely call on you. Please go to these websites. Um, do what you can from home. Do what you can to communicate with us and get involved and uh, stay engaged and free them all, free them all, free them all, power to the people. Yeah, and I want to um, thank you, Brother Lakeem. I wanted to make sure I mentioned, um, lastly, probably the last thing I would mention, but not the least of all of our, of all of our efforts. We have, been, um, we have been having a national gathering uh, right up until 2019 when uh, COVID knocked out many of our national gatherings, many of our face-to-face gatherings. But we have a national gathering called the Riata, which for the youth, it's athletic activities, and for the adults and, and the mature in the community, it's, it's for workshops, and it's for workshops and educational purposes. So we have a, the, the Riata is coming up. Uh, we're going to hold the Riata. This uh, starts next Saturday, uh, May Saturday, May the 28th, at the uh, um, in Orlando, Florida, at the uh, University of Central Florida. Uh, there'll be the what's known as the Imam Jamil Alameen Basketball Riata. There'll be a basketball tournament. Um, at the same time of that basketball tournament on Saturday, there will be workshops that Imam Jamil Action Network will be doing. At the halftime of that basketball tournament, there will be a performance, a halftime show, uh, uh, led by none other than Abi Odun Oyewole, the last poets on on. On Sunday morning, there will be a community meeting at the Holiday Inn in Orlando, Florida. And on Sunday evening, 
there'll be a there'll be a community banquet at the Bella Rosa Banquet Hall in Orlando, Florida. And for those of you activists who who, who can be in Orlando, Florida, uh, IJAN, that's the Imam Jamil Action Network, will have a will have a meeting before we leave the area on Monday morning, uh, Monday morning, May the thirtieth. Uh, so that's the that's the activity that we'll be doing, and all of the things that we mentioned, you can go to, you can go to to website to the website www.emanjamilactionnetwork.org and get further information and further information on that. And we we hope that you will join us. And and if you don't, if you're not able to join us, you know, please join something, be a part of something. Be organized. Um, we can win. We will win. And Brother Bilal and your co-worker, we want you, if you can, hold on for a few minutes. Um, based upon what you have just articulated, we understand that um, Brother Kwame Teray uh, worked very closely with um, Brother Jamil Alameen, former known H. R. Brown. And one of the things we take great pride in is the presentation of history and understanding history. Because history is very important because if we refuse to learn from our past, we'll continue to repeat the same mistakes. So what I want to do is we want to play a few minutes of some of the lessons that Brother Kwame Jure has stated based upon our history, and we'll come back and have a, have a little dialogue on that. Because one of the things with African Liberation Day as the institution seeks to do is to correct those errors from the past and learn from them. So I want everybody to hold on right now. We're going to uh, have a reflection on some of the thoughts from Brother Kwame Ture, who had a big influence on this institution, and this institution had a big influence on him. And we'll be right back to continue this dialogue. This is Africa on the Move, celebrating 64 years of African Liberation Day and 74 years of in Knockback Day, Palestine Day. So here's Brother Kwame Ture speaking on some lessons that we must learn if we haven't already learned them. It will be solved. There's a difference between revolution and reform. Big difference. In reform, a man observing a foundation, observing a system, sees many problems. But he assumes that there's nothing wrong with the system. The foundation of the system for him is a good system. Thus, what he seeks to do is to change the building as best he can, but he wants to leave the foundation intact. Example, if I came to this building, it's Ackerman Hall, is it not? If I came to Ackerman Hall and I looked at the foundation, the foundation was falling. It was just falling, couldn't possibly stand. If I were a reformist, I'd say, okay, put a piece of board over that. So we cover the foundation. We haven't touched it. And then I'll come here and say, put a window there. Put a door here. Put a frame here. Put two rooms where there used to be one. What I'm doing is reforming the system. I am trying to make it look different, but I'm keeping the same rotten foundation. You must understand that because this country is full of reformists, black people notwithstanding. And these reformists have a tendency to deceive you to let you believe that things are really being changed when in fact the foundation has not been touched and the longer it stays, the more rotten it becomes. The more rotten it becomes. A revolutionary comes into the building, observes Ackerman Hall and says, looks at the foundation and said, hey, this foundation is filthy, it's rotten, it's corrupt, it must be torn up. 
a new one must be put in its place. Once he makes that decision, and once that theoretical decision which he's made is demonstrated actively in his day-to-day -day life, you have a revolutionary. Thus, a revolutionary is not someone who seeks to reform a system, he's someone who seeks to replace it. I'm a revolutionary. I'm not a reformist. I want the American system destroyed. It must be destroyed and has to be replaced. It has to be replaced. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Again, I'm not calling for revolution. I see it coming, and I want to be part of the solution. I don't want to be part of the problem. I've been the victim too long, so I want to be part of the solution. I am saying that all of us must opt for revolution. All of us must opt for revolution. Now, revolution is very scientific. There's nothing emotional about it. There's nothing emotional about it. President Sekou Toure, a wise and courageous African revolutionary, says that in revolution there is no sentimentality. There is none. Whether I like something or do not like something, it is scientifically determined for me, thus I must do it. So I have no sentiments involved in my work. I just have to do what I have to do, and I will do it the best way I can. Best way I can. Now, revolution, we said, follows scientific laws. If you come and you look at the foundation and you see the foundation is rotten and you say that you want to replace this foundation, you want a new system, you're asking for revolution. Because what you're saying is that you want another system where there is a system. And we know scientifically that no two things can occupy the same place at the same time. I mean, that's logic. So if you say that uh, you're against capitalism and you want another system put in the place of capitalism, then all you're saying is that you want revolution because capitalism and this other thing cannot occupy America at the same time. Only one, only one will occupy it. Only one will be dominant. Thus, if you say you want revolution, you understand you're talking about scientific principles. Two systems cannot occupy the same space at the same time. I'm opposed to capitalism. I seek, I seek an economic system which must follow the principles of scientific socialism. This system must come, will come, all over the world, America notwithstanding. It must come and will come. Pan-Africanism must come from the bottom up, from the mass of the people up. It is here then that we'll come to see the real aspect of Pan-Africanism. We said that in the Fifth Pan-African Congress they called for mass organizations and immediately mass organizations sprang up throughout the length and breadth of the African world. The Conventional People's Party, a mass party, sprang up in Ghana. The Democratic Party of Guinea, a mass party, sprang up in Guinea. Throughout the length and breadth of Africa you had the TANU, the Tanzanian African National Union, which is now the CCM. My Swahili is uh, not as good as yours. It's Chimpa, Chimpuraza, Mazuri. That's very good. Oh, <laughs> my, my Swahili is bad. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly, exactly. And uh, that's their new party. But all over Africa, mass parties sprung up. If you look at the Caribbean, mass parties sprung up. And if you look at the United States, mass movements sprang up. So the call was heeded for mass confrontation. Of course, the Fifth Pan-African Congress made two definite and precise resolutions which I want to uh, highlight. Of course, Pan-Africanism from the very beginning was anti-colonial. From the very beginning it was anti-colonial. It was weak. So when they came, they didn't say to the Queen, we're going to put you out of the country. They said, you must treat the natives right. You must educate them. You must prepare them for self-government. These are things that are weak, but they were anti-colonial in essence. We must not look at the form. 
and we get stronger, the more this anti-colonialism will express itself. Now, anti-colonialism is nothing but anti-capitalism. Because colonialism is nothing but an offshoot, an aspect of capitalism. Therefore, if you're anti-colonial, you must be anti-capitalist, if you're logical in your thinking, of course, and your actions. Some people are not, but we are speaking of logical people here. <laughs> if you're anti-capitalist, then you must be socialist. Capitalism cannot unite Africa. Africa has to be united by socialism. Now, there's a lot of confusion here on this question of capitalism and socialism. Just recently, a young man said to me, but socialism died. I said, it did. He said, you didn't hear about it. I said, I missed the funeral. <laughs> of course, he spoke about the betrayals that occurred in the East. You must not let capitalism confuse your thinking. This is a struggle which Pan-Africanism takes on. We struggle against imperialism in the illogical arena because many people think that capitalism just wants to exploit your labor. It wants to confuse your thinking and make you think just like them. And this is where the real fight occurs. So therefore, this struggle of confusing the thinking, I told the man, I said, you're talking nonsense. Socialism cannot uh, uh, disappear. It cannot die. He said, yes, it can. I said, no. He said, how do you say that? I said, well, you are judging uh, socialism by socialists. You don't do that. He said, I've never heard such nonsense. If you don't judge socialism by socialists, what do you judge it by? I say, you judge it by its principles. Every system is judged by its principles, never its adherence. So he still saw confusion. He said, you're just talking double talk. I said, okay, do you judge Christianity by Christians? <laughs> So we must not be confused here. Socialism doesn't fall because of betrayal. No system does. The person who betrays themselves goes to the mud, but the system with its eternal principles keep marching on. If a system fell because of betrayal, Christianity would have been finished with Judas. At least Judas had the dignity to hang himself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some of these who betray socialism don't have that dignity. Gorbachev still runs around speaking and picking up 30 pieces of silver everywhere. Yeah. So uh, socialism is an economic system. And there can only be two in the world, capitalism or socialism, because every economic system must answer one fundamental question. Who will own and control the wealth of the country? Who will own and control the means of production? The question can only be answered two ways. Either a few will own or everyone will own. It's as simple as that. And under capitalism, we say, please, please summarize that we might have. No, I'm going. I thought I had 20 minutes. It's my I thought I had 20 minutes. I was going by the clock. How much time do I have left? I'm sorry, maybe I'm off. That's what I thought I did. I was watching it. Now I'm watching my clock. I'm a responsible. I'm rev revolutionary. I go back to <laughs> my clock. Thank you. Matter <laughs> of fact, I can say it in two words, black power. <laughs> and today we've gone to one, Pan-Africanism. <laughs> yeah. So there are only two economic systems, and it's going to be capitalism or socialism. Capitalism is a backward system. There's no need to discuss it. Certainly anyone who's been made a slave by capitalism ought to be hesitant in trying to support the system. But as a conscious African, I must be against capitalism, and I must, of course, seek to destroy it. So in, when you speak of Pan-Africanism, you must understand you speak of socialism. And we want to underline there's only one socialism out here, and that's scientific socialism, whose principles are abiding and universal. There's no such thing as African socialism, Chinese socialism, Russian socialism, Arab socialism. There's only one socialism. The confusion arises over ideology. That is that which guides you towards your objective. So we're saying clearly here, Pan-Africanism is not an ideology. It is an objective. It is an achievable. Pan-Africanism is the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. All we want is a unified continent with a socialist system. That's all. But you know Africa is the richest continent in the world. When she's properly organized, she'll be the most powerful. Yeah, of course. 
Of course, and me, all I want is power. <laughs> I'm not like others. I don't want money. I don't want popularity. I just want the power I'm supposed to get. That's all. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> we welcome you back to the Africa on the Moon. You listen to um, a, a, a perspective that Brother Kwame Ture left for his people to use it as a tool towards our liberation. Now, we got Brother Bilal on the phone along with his co-worker talking about one of his former comrades, Brother Jamil Alameen, former known as uh, H. R. Brown. And one of the things that came to mind, Brother Bilal and the rest of the panelists, y'all can weigh in on it. I'm just wondering if something's wrong with this picture. You have a brother like Jamil Alameen who fought so hard and created a conditioned climate so you could have African people in so-called political leadership, from being males to being governors, even to become presidents. You have African people in so-called top chairmanship within one of the most so-called powerful political party in this country, the Democratic Party. You have African people having all these uh, um, leadership positions. And these were the same people who benefited from the work and the struggle of Brother H. Rep. Brown, Jamil Alameen, Yvonne Jamil Alameen. Why is it so difficult for all those comrades that created the climate for these people to get the position they hold today? Why is it so difficult given all these so-called clearly jobs that people are now in position of so-called authority? that they can't release individuals such as like Jamil or Mumia or any African who was unjust treated. I just wondering how do in general you address, you know, that phenomenon. Okay. Well yeah, I'd like to to speak directly to that. Um um one of the things that uh, one of the areas where Imam Jamil, where H. Rap Brown and and Kwame Ture, who was then known as Stokely Carmichael, who worked together was the Lowndes County Freedom Organization. And as I pointed out, the difference between the Lowndes County Freedom Organization and voter registration uh, programs uh, throughout the country was that the Lowndes County Freedom Organization organized the community to empower itself and then chose people to run for those offices that it designated would be the offices that the community needed to develop its own its own uh, sense of self-determination um, and that has been that has been abandoned even though people have have have, um, have used it and used the fact that uh, that people continue to vote, and also want to want to want to point out that uh, that uh, Kwame Ture, known as Stokely Carmichael, at that time was also part of the self defense units that the Lowndes County Freedom Organization had, because the vigilantes, uh, the Ku Klux Klan, what have you, would shoot into the uh, would shoot at the at the potential voters, and when they had uh, t- tents, tents were erected in Lowndes County 
for the people who were being kicked off the plantations by the by the by the by the plantation who was who were sharecropping and who were being kicked off the plantations and the Ku Klux Klan would come and shoot at the tents and and so they were they were organizing self defense in terms of shooting back at those who shot into the tents to to harm the the, the newly potential voters and they would organize the people to Organize the people to form them to form organizations that could protect themselves and vote that organization into power, rather than just have people come up and say, "Well, I got a good idea, vote for me," or you know, "I think, I think this," and 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 vote for me, and then you have people who are black running for office and who are but who not who are not running for office because they want to develop self-determination we've we've that that was one of the things that we are trying to instill in the voter registration movement of today is those is those earlier principles that are that are that that are organized fought for and established and and are still are establishing in the rural black south today and if that part if that part is 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 taken up where we do, where we work as where we work as collectives and not as just an individual running for office, but as a as a as a collective of people running for offices offices that that de, that develop that community into a collective, and then can develop other communities into a collective. When we have that when we have that similar when we have that similar goal, uh, we'll be more we can more see the, the we can more see the validity and the and the and what's the worth of those leaders who brought who taught us in that fashion and when we when we do that there'll be more people working toward uh working toward unity and working toward self determination and and more and more clearly understand the importance of leaders being locked up and and being made made being made examples of, and that's 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 one of the primary reasons that I I see as as people, you know they 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 look at people as because they are individualistic themselves they look at other leaders as individuals, whereas some of our leaders many of our leaders were collectives and taught collective and co- taught collective. Uh, understanding and co- collective struggle, and, co- and 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 through that, and through that made progress. Okay, you listen to brother Bilal Sunny Ali working with the Iman Jamil Action Network. What we're going to do right now, we're going to take a revolutionary culture break, and when we come back. With our remaining um, guests, we just have them to um, give us their final thoughts for the night. And uh, we will continue down this road to our liberation as we continue to celebrate six four years of African Liberation Day, seven four year or knockback day, Palestine Day. This program is under the banner of the African Awareness. This program is under the banner of the All African People's Revolutionary Party. We're being co-sponsored and supported by the National Council of Arab Americans 
as well as this radio station, Africa on the Move, which is a community project of the African Awareness Association. So we're going to take this quick revolutionary break, and when we come back, we're going to be closing out with our final thoughts on these topics tonight. This is Africa on the Move. If you think of the Middle East in this modern time, you can't help but say the word Palestine. People there have lost their land. Some have lost their home. They live in other countries, their freedom almost gone. Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Needs freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love. There seems to be no answer to give us the reason why people cannot live so no one has to die. We've got to take a stand for freedom, take a stand for truth, take a stand for justice. That's what we've got to do, because Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. People of all countries, of every race, and creed we need a new beginning let us plant the seed plant the seed of love and let that love seed grow plant the seed for everyone so all the world will know that palestine needs her freedom Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom, needs her freedom. Palestine needs our Sunset lights of the sky A magic 
Africa is where 
welcome back. You're listening to Ram Cable, Homeland Africa, where my heart lies. We welcome you back to a special program in celebrating African Liberation Month under the banner of the All African Peoples Revolutionary Party, GC. What we're going to do right now, we're going to our final thoughts with our particular panelists and those who are being presenters today who are still with us. And we get each presenter, we have two minutes to make your closing points as it relates to the themes and the topics that we discussed today. We come back to you, Brother Bilal, your final thoughts for tonight. Okay, thank you, and once again, I just want to um, encourage everybody to, uh, to to observe African Liberation Month, observe African Liberation Day, observe African Liberation as a constant uh, reality in our lives. That so we have to we have to move toward this liberation, we have to move towards this this state of liberation, and. We would encourage people to go to our website to see the things that we're doing to move toward that to to move toward that uh, state of liberation uh, locally, nationally, and internationally. And to um, and again, if you if you find you cannot join in with us, join in with some other effort that's moving toward African liberation and. And 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 do that wholeheartedly. And as like we we say, there's no. That's why we're moving towards confederation because that's the largest form of organizational unity that we see that we could we could develop in our present state. And so if you if you can't join us, join someone who is joining with us because we're gonna all we're gonna all be joined together. Uh, toward uh, achieving our liberation, inshallah. Thank you again for having us on. And we thank you, brother, for enlightening us on the update of Jamil um, life and conditions and the movement of your freedom. God always your family. We always be here for you and others. We thank you for your contribution to this year, African Liberation Month. Next, we go to our brother Abiyoni Azikwe from the Pan African News Wire. You'll find a thought for tonight, Brother Azikwe. Yeah, thank you. Um, I just wanted to mention that uh, Brother Jamil Alamine, um, uh, somebody I grew up listening to, I was born in the southern United States. And when I came to Detroit as a youth in 1967, he had spoken at the um, Dexter Theater on the west side, and uh, with so many people showed up, this was right after the rebellion, uh, that uh, they had to um, put a, they, they climbed up on the uh, roof, put a PA system up on the roof uh, for him to speak. It was thousands of people out on the streets on Dexter. Um, and, of course, I had the honor of meeting him years later at an event uh, in Detroit, and he was there with Imam Lukman. Uh, who was also a uh, Islamic leader in Detroit. Imam Lukman was uh, uh, killed, assassinated, set up and assassinated by the uh, FBI in 2009. Um, they had infiltrated his mosque, 
and uh, they uh, carried out an assassination, and the government uh, never did anything to rectify the situation. So, um, you know, we definitely support uh, the immediate uh, release and exoneration of uh, Imam Jamil uh, Alamine, and uh, thanks once again for inviting uh, me to participate in this event. Thank you, Brother Azikwe. And we now go to Brother Anthony. But Brother Anthony, before you have your final say, I would like to make at least a couple of announcements, which we think is very important to our to our people and our communities. First of all, Africa on the Move in conjunction with the African Women Association. They'll be going together under the African Women Association banner as they take their annual freedom ride tour to Cuba. That will be from July the 23rd to July the 31st. We'd like to encourage all our listening audience, all our comrades and friends organization to send at least one representative on this particular delegation. If you go and show our support and solidarity with our brothers and sisters in Cuba and continue to fight to find ways to put an end to this illegal, immoral, and racist U.S. blockade, yes, we can. So if you really want to see another alternative, how you can reorganize society, we said take a look at Cuba. So come and join the African Women Association along with Africa on the Moon and other organizations to go to Cuba. We'll all be meeting in Cancun, Mexico, again, from July the 23rd to the 31st. For more information, email the African Women Association at African Awareness Association 2. All spell out at gmail.com. That's African Awareness Association 2 at gmail.com. Also, we want to remind you that there are continued activities that have been and are being planned and organized by the All African People of the Party GC. As you know, on Thursday, May the 26th, there will be a special program on students and youth from around the world. You can hear it right here on this station, Africa on the Move. That'll be this Thursday, May the 26th, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. So please check that out. On Friday, May the 27th, there will be a webinar where they will talk about the importance of Pan-Africanism and Socialism in the 21st century. That will take place from 7 to 9 p.m. Again, that's this Friday, May the 27th. A webinar, if you want more information about that, please go to the AAPRPGC website, which we'll give to you in a minute. Also, on Saturday is D-Day, May the 28th. They'll be celebrating the African Liberation Day, Palestine Day. That will be from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on this station, so you can check us out, as well as come and participate in Liberation Day on May the 28th, right on this station, from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. And on the on the 30th, there will be a special release of 46 years of history of African Liberation Day through videos. So you want to check that out. And last but not least, there will be a 64-year history of the history of African Liberation Day. And we have a very distinguished intellectual organizer, pan-Africanist, educator, writer, Brother Bob Brown. Brilliant brother. You don't want to miss his presentation. That's on the 31st, right here on Africa on the Move from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. So those are some of the events. There may be more. Please go to the AAPRPGC website 
by going to www.a-atrp.gc.org. So right now we're going to go back to Brother Anthony. Let him have the sign to say it, but before you have the sign to say it, Brother Anthony, you got to talk a little bit about what is the APRPGC and how can the people join and help you in this party. Brother Anthony, the mic is yours. Sure. Uh, the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC, is a mass independent political party, Pan-Africanist party, objectivist Pan-Africanism, the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. Our ideology is Nkumism Toreism. And it, and it takes its name from the works, writings, practices, and achievements of Asashifo Kwame Nkrumah, Ahmed Sekou Touré, and Brother Kwame Touré. And uh, you can find out more about the history and how to join our organization by visiting our website, www.a-aprp. GC.org. You can also contact us at 202-246-4896 for more information about the All-African People's Revolutionary Party. And you can also get the schedule of uh, our programs for the month of May. Uh, and we're dedicating the whole month of May uh, to uh, African Liberation Day, Palestine, not by day. And uh, you can, uh, in addition to finding out our schedule of activities, you can learn more about the history, program, and objective of the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Thank you very much for taking time out of your day to check out our program. And uh, thank you uh, to all of the uh, participating uh, representatives of the various organizations that spoke tonight. And thank you to Africa on the Move uh, for uh, providing this space for uh, doing this program tonight. And we will just say we'll see you again on the 26th Thursday from 11 to 1 a.m., from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. as we will host the Student Youth Program. So check us out. Check out the website at AAPRPGC. And like always, you can catch this radio station every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. We may not give you what you want, but we try to do the best to give you what you need. So long live African Liberation Day, long live Palestine and Akbar Day, and forever. Long live the African Revolution. Africa will be free, unified, and socialist. We thank you for allowing us to come to your home this evening. This has been a special program in honoring the 64 years of African Liberation Day and 74 years of Akbar Day, Palestine Day. This has been Africa on the Moon and participation and coordination under the All-African People's Revolutionary Party and support of the National Council 
uh, Arab Americans. Let's go forward, Abel. Talk with Neville, and we'll leave you with some sounds of sweet liberation music. This has been Africa on the Moon.
manya Inesi zi manya manya This is for people with talata People with talata Nandi walanya Nandi kalanya It will make you feel better This can take away palapa This can take away wala It will make you feel niger Oh yeah, let's go to Kenya Rwanda and Tanzania Togo, Cameroon, Niger Ghana, Cloud and Sudan Oh yeah, make you ricotta, ricotta Mama Africa, ricotta, hey Make it up, yeah, 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 yeah Everybody ricotta, ricotta Mama Africa, ricotta, hey Make it up, yeah, 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 yeah One day, tara, tara, leh Oh, tara, tara, leh Make it up, yeah, 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 yeah Oh, tara, tara, leh Mama Africa, tara, tara, leh Make it up, yeah, yeah, yeah Oh, this one I'll die, yo that's a pity, make you no fight, oh hey, You go forget your sorrow Makachuku, you go buy and pay for your motto oh, hey, hey. This one na tara tara The beat is tarantana You go make you manya manya Inesi si manya manya This is for people with talata People with talata Nandi walanya Nandi kalanya It will make you feel better This can take away palapa This can take away wala It will make you feel niger Oh yeah, let's go to Zambia Uganda, South Africa Mogo, Cameroon, Burundi Also Benin Republic Oh yeah, make you Ricotta, Ricotta, Mama Africa Ricotta, hey Make it up, yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah Everybody Ricotta, Ricotta, Mama Africa Ricotta, hey Come from Trinidad 
black man, you're an African. No mind your complexion, there is no rejection, you're an African. Cause if your flexion high, 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 if your flexion low, and if your flexion in Don't you will you come? 